0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. LCK in the
1: house. This is actually someone that was uh, I was connected to through my uncle. My uncle, who's a, a big fan of the show, listens to uh, every episode. And uh, every once in a while, he'll send me over somebody. Um... Sometimes they're not very good, but every once in a while <laughs> he sends me over somebody who I'm like, hey, that's a really good find right there. And he had been following uh, Lori for a while, and she's connected uh, to Jolene Brighton. She's connected to Becky Campbell. Steffi con- Cohen. Steffi Cohen. Yeah, yeah. She's, got, she's connected to a lot of people. we No, she's looked.
2: got a good message. She's a, she's a fit, strong, uh, smart young lady who is promoting... Mm -hmm. um the right message and so we looked at her page and we were impressed she's doing really good things yeah yeah so we had her on the show to talk all about her approach um her experience what got her to do what she did um we think you're really going to enjoy this episode we really liked her we hit it off so this looks like it's going to be a long-term friendship um i know she's going to be starting her own podcast at some point so, we hope to help her and support her in that as well. Hormones, um, whor- CrossFit. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's got that. You know, if you like our message, that balanced approach, um, then you'll definitely like her. Um, and I highly recommend you follow her on Instagram. She's got one of the better, um, more educational um, and entertaining Instagram pages. Um, her company is called Paragon Training Methods. That page is at Paragon Training Methods on Instagram. Her website is Lori Christine King. Dot com. She has a great blog. She's a great writer. She has good information. Her own personal Instagram page um, is at Lori Christine King. Lori is spelled L-A-U-R-I-E, by the way, by the way, excuse me. So it's Lori Christine King. Um, and then uh, yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. And really enjoyed talking to her and I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Before it gets started though, um, I want to let everybody know we have a new promotion in August. This is the first time these programs have ever been on sale. MAPS Prime and MAPS Prime Pro, so both Prime programs, 50% off. And I can tell you this much right now, we are probably not going to bring this promotion back anytime soon. For the rest of your life. These are two of the most valuable programs, in our opinion, that we offer. Um, MAPS Prime teaches you how to set your body up uh, before your workouts, how to prime your body before your workouts to make your workouts far more effective. Um, so to be able to connect better to the muscles you're trying to target and be able to do the exercises more efficiently and effectively. MAPS Prime Pro, correctional in nature. Um, so correctional exercise, you want to be able to let your shoulder move better. You want to be able to have better function in your spine or your hips or your ankles, your feet, your knees, your wrists. MAPS Prime Pro is the program for you. If you're a personal trainer and you don't own these programs, How some, dare you. something's wrong with you. Uh, these are extremely valuable programs that you can use and apply on your clients. It'll bring you tremendous value. It'll get you more re signs and you'll get better, va- better results with your clients. So, both of these programs for the first time ever are 50% off. In order to get them, you got to go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code PRIME50. That's P R I M E 50. No space for the discount. Um, and that's it. Without any further ado, here we are talking to the lovely Lori King.
1: So my sister's one year younger than me, right? So she's thirty-seven. She's no kid. No, yeah, they, she had no desire to have any kids. So we both kind of went through that same thing, you know, yeah. her and I being close in age and seeing all that. I mean, exactly. It's like my whole life, I didn't want to recreate anything close to what that what my parents had. And for us, a lot of what I saw. Um, the turmoil was financial, you know, it seemed that, you know, if, as soon as a holiday, a birthday came around and we didn't have money or the, we couldn't pay the PGE bill or whatever bullshit caused all kinds of crazy drama, which led to like verbal and physical abuse in the house. And it was just like, so of course that's forever ingrained to me yeah. that like, I have to be in this p- place where money's not an issue for me. I don't have to think about it. I don't want to stress about it. Like, let me just work on my partner and my kid and things like that. So That's why I waited so long. I waited because I wanted to be in a place where I knew that I had the flexibility to leave work when I wanted to and go see my son when when I need to. I don't have to worry about money, things like that, so... You know, and I didn't know if that was going to happen before I turned fucking 50 or not. So It's, <laughs> so. A,
2: it's a massive responsibility. Yeah, the, the funny thing is people who are afraid, who then uh, <clears throat> later on do have kids, tend to be very good at it because they considered mm-hmm. all the all the, the challenges and the responsibility. Oh, I think
1: when people mm-hmm. would ask me, it, it was funny. It used to actually bother me that people would ask, think that I had like commitment issues. Yeah. And I was like, that used to be like a pet peeve of mine. Like, oh, you just have commitment issues. Like, no, it's just that I've really fucking thought through all this shit. And I'm going to be responsible. I'm not going to fuck a, another human's life up and put them through anything that I went through. And it's not a commitment issue at all. It's that I have things in my head that are where I want to be in life before I have take on the responsibility of bringing another life into this world. So but like
3: (laughs) (laughs) parenthood's scary though. So like, I actually have a post generated for this week because like with a lot of my clients, we're kind of getting away. It's like, I always talk about anyway, like nutrition is like five to 10%, you know, macros and nutrition. It's really a lot of just like getting deep down into like why behave, you know, why people behave a certain way. Um, why they have certain feelings about, you know, their body or, you know, certain relationships towards food and, you know, exercise and stuff like that. And it's like, parenting is so scary because like children are little sponges right so it's like having people journal through things like well cool you know like what does your parents relationship with food look like what what food tendencies do they have you know what does their relationship with exercise look like you know Are they super active or, you know, kind of again, like, how do your parents, you know, talk about their bodies, you know, like, is your mom standing in the mirror every day, just ripping herself to shreds and, you know, commenting about, oh, you know, like, you know, I think for my mom, like I was kind of talking about this recently, but it's like, my mom's been on a diet her whole fucking life. And so, you know, she deflected a lot of her personal issues onto me. And so it's like, I turned 30 in September, but it's like, there's so many things I've had to work through because it's like, even like. So I competed at regionals on a team in CrossFit in 2016. And I remember that like we went through like a big scuffle, like mid 2015, because it was like I was the heaviest I'd ever been because I'm 5'3". Like you, you have to, you know, if you want to be strong and roll with people are big, like I had to put on size and it was like I wasn't the most aesthetic I'd ever looked, but it was like I was also, you know, submitting scores where I was, you know, very very competitive at the weight but it's like i remember my mom making comments where it was like oh you're you're too big you're too manly like what happened to my little girl and it's like Whoa! Like talk about shit you can't say to somebody, Yo, right? And right, so it's right. like, like, and I I took that my whole life where it was like she was always just kind of nitpicking the way I looked or like I was never you know skinny enough. And disclaimer: when I started CrossFit at five three, um, I weighed ninety two pounds. Wow, <laughs> like, I was fucking tiny. Um, I was marathon training at the time, but same thing. You know, it was like there were so many things that came from that because it was like, oh well, I'm just never tiny enough. So you know whether it's for you know a significant other, like that's where it it led over to, right? It's like, well, mm. my mom never thinks I have, you know, a good enough body. So anybody out there that I'm trying to date or, you know, spectate on probably doesn't think I have a good enough body for them either, right? It's like, why not exercise more? Why not, you know, eat less food, you know? And it ends up the spiral, but same thing, you know, it's like, that's not uncommon. Um, I talked to a client recently, and so, like, she was talking about literally when she was a kid, her mom's been overweight her whole life. So when she was a kid growing up before dinner, Her mom would say, hey, lift up your shirt so she could look at their stomach and see, you know, how I'll put air quotes around how skinny or not they were. Wow. But so like her spiral is like she like present day. She's such a rock star, you know, has such great food quality, all this good stuff. But she still has the mental struggle because it's like for her, like just being able to travel and I don't want to say eat off plan, but just like not have to worry about it. Right. Like she could just eat food, not stress intuitive eating, a.k.a. eating, just putting food in your mouth, right? But, like, being able to do that for her was a big step. And so she was doing super well, you know, had three or four trips where she was just crushing it and, you know, doing a really good job with her food. And then she had one trip in particular where, like, she was just human. Like, she enjoyed herself. You know, she had one too many slices of pizza. You know, she wasn't super comfortable, you know, afterwards kind of with what happened with the week. And so we talked about that. And that was the thing she talked about going through was, like, my mom's been overweight my whole life. And when I do things that align with how she acts, right, eating right. more food, you know, all that stuff, like she was in a mental spiral because it was like, I don't want to be like my mom. Like I've spent my entire life trying not to be here. Right. And yet here I just went on a trip. I fucking blew it out on pizza and alcohol and, you know, all uh, all the foods. But again, it's like telling somebody, hey, you're okay. Like mm. it's okay to be human. Like not everybody eats a certain way. A certain right. you know. It's like at the end of the day, like time on Earth is really short. Like fucking enjoy yourself. Well, it's That's
1: crazy like, because you you. I remember the first time that I read like it when we we're at the ages of like five to seven years old is when we solidify so many of these patterns and habits, and that the brain is just like this crazy sponge at that age. And I think back to what you were doing at five, six, seven <laughs> years old, you know, and I and I see it now played out. in because there's a big gap between uh, my youngest siblings and me and my sister so me and my sister are a good 13 years above and it's funny to see the two older ones so with me and my my sister is one year apart we saw all the dysfunction and we were already teenagers so we are kind of like wise enough to go like I don't want it to be anything like this. And so we are completely opposite. Our whole life mission is to do everything opposite of what we saw our parents yeah. do because we don't want to fall down and same better. Then I see the two younger ones who don't recall any bad times at all because they were so little. They don't remember the fighting. They don't remember the craziness. Mom and dad were divorced by the time they were young preteens. So they don't, and then they've kind of fallen in the exact same pattern. So to be the oldest and kind of look back and see, it's like, holy shit, and they have no clue. They have no clue that they are like, I'm watching my, my younger siblings live out a lot of the exact same behaviors I watched my parents go through, and it's like, well, that's so crazy how when you're that young, and that's what's, I guess it makes me almost angry when I see it with parents that are just so irresponsible because you think they're a child, Like, and they don't understand. It's like, it doesn't even matter if they understand or not. That becomes their inner voices. And that stuff gets cemented in them forever. And they'll spend, if they're lucky, they'll spend the rest of their life unpacking that and fixing it, if they're lucky. But what happens to most people is they fall right back in the fucking cycle.
3: I think here's the thing though. So like kind of, it's fun having a family of all ages because it's like, I was like a mistake baby for sure. So like my dad is 71, my mom is 63. And like I said, my oldest brother is 41. And so it's interesting because if you kind of look present day at the people that are kind of in the 40 to 50 sector, um, it falls under the category of like nothing's wrong. Everything's perfect. Right. So it's like if you were to suggest, hey, you know, like it seems like you have some poor relationships, you know, with food, with exercise, with your personal you know, body and appearance and image. You know, just with yourself, maybe traumatic things that you went through, whether it was again, you know, a suicide in the family or uh, family dysfunction, a poor relationship, you maybe you should seek a therapist or a professional counseling. And every single one of those people from that age gap is going to clam up and be like, oh no, like, I'm fine. Like, th- there's no problems. I don't need to see somebody. Hmm. But that's like, you kind of peel it back to people again, like, I'm about to be 30. And it like, I want to say like, therapy's trendy. But like, you talked to everybody, it's like, yeah, I see my therapist today. Like, this <laughs> is what we talked about. Like, hmm. fuck, yeah. And I think that really, honestly, the people that are like 20 to 25 right now, like, they're going to be the people that I want to say they figured it out. But it's like, again, like, it's just so much more common and accepted yeah. to like, Hey like like that's the reason why so much so well talking many- about
1: your feelings is okay now, <laughs> yeah, yeah it wasn't if people that are forty and fifty like talking about your feelings was not Well, yeah, okay.
2: I think there's a balance you know because mm-hmm. there's studies that now several studies now have shown things like trigger warnings that want to actually make things a lot worse, so there's also the over therapizing of like and the coddling that can happen, which you see with the younger generations where maybe it is okay to say you're fine. And they're like, no, I want to talk about this and it's a bigger problem and it makes it a bigger problem. So I think that there's, you might be right. It might be the younger, younger generation. What do they call that generation? Not millennials. The, generation Z. Is it Z? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are a little bit more cynical and a little bit more kind of in the middle, yep. if you will. So did did your, what drove you into fitness? Was it the body image stuff? Was Ooh. that what really motivated you to get into working so, out?
3: So I was a competitive gymnast my whole life. Um, literally, I started at five years old and it was like kind of like freak accident. Found out like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is what you're good at. And like even present day like I tell people I can't play sports with balls like it's not oh. I, I it's just not my jam I like I tried really Me, hard yeah. to make it a thing <laughs> but um I'm really good with body weight stuff um and even you know it's like a barbell and some dumbbells it's about the only thing I've ever fluidly been able to move my whole life just not not an athlete unfortunately <laughs> um but yeah so I got basically when I stopped competing in gymnastics, it was like I was kind of searching for that replacement thing, right? And so um, towards the tail end of high school is when I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism, which is basically um, the gland in your neck that controls things like metabolism, your sleep, your mood, just about everything in the body. Um, But so long story short, I went through a phase where I was really, really struggling with body composition, body weight, and just not feeling well. I was actually, the reason why I went to see a doctor was um, again, I was 17 or 18 years old, but it was like I was sleeping upwards of like 14, 15, 16 hours a day. And, you know, my parents were like, huh, this this mm-hmm. seems weird. You keep missing school. Like maybe you should check it out. And sure enough, you know, got got some blood work done, um, end up getting prescribed you know thyroid medication and you know, kind of cruising on. But so the thing was, I wasn't feeling much better, even though I started taking medication. So it kind of spun this idea of like, OK, you know, I want to help someone in my position never be in my position. So maybe, you know, I should go to school for this, you know, kind of learn, you know, selfishly learn a little bit more for myself and my personal needs. But then again, you'll be able to give it back to people, too. And so I ended up going to school, got um, my degree in nutrition dietetics. And then I also found CrossFit in college. And so it was like CrossFit was that thing where it was like, Oh, this is competitive. It's fun, but it's also new. Like I had never in my life touched barbells. I'd never touched dumbbells, heavy weights, and so um, it's amazing because CrossFit and lifting and all that stuff, you know, kind of shifted my perspective of rather than just being obsessed about, you know, what my body looked like, shifting it to, oh, oh my gosh, like what my body can do for me. And, you know, it's just this amazing thing. Did
2: you go into CrossFit with a good relationship with exercise at this point? Or were you going in with not so good of a relationship? (laughs) Absolutely not.
3: So like I said, I I was 92 pounds. Um, I had signed up for, I lived in Illinois um, my whole life. I'm from a small college town. So uh, I had run the Chicago Marathon in 2012 and that was like, while I was training for that is when I found CrossFit. So I think it was, you know, we'll say three or four months before um, my sister-in-law lived in Seattle. I was visiting and then they were like, oh, hey, you know, try a sing, you'll love it. And sure enough, like I was that freak person that again, it was like, oh, hey, here's a muscle-up. Oh, cool, you did a muscle-up. Or, oh, hey, this is a kipping pull-up. And, you know, I'd be over there, duh, 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 you know, yeah. doing them. So, like, I've always been very good spatially and with gravity where it's like, if you show me how to do something, like, I can do it, you mm-hmm. <laughs> know, I can do it. Um, so, so yeah.
2: So, now, was it, was it body obsession then moved to performance? And did it become performance obsession? I, now, I've worked with clients, uh, and one of my strategies with people who have body obsession issues is to move them to performance, but then you have to move out of that as well because that can become its own issue. Did you fall into that, that same Oh, yeah, pattern?
3: for sure. Um, so I, the way I've always kind of referred to it too is like I have a very addictive personality and not in the form of like drugs and that sort of thing, but it's like, um, with coaching for example it's like well somebody's coming to you in a very poor place you know nobody hires a nutrition coach when you feel good so that whole idea of like oh well I, I can help I can make you feel better you know that's an addictive cycle um, same thing I think with exercise it's like honestly part of it came from lack of hobbies because the only life I had ever known was get up go, you know, go to school do gymnastics you know for hours and hours on end Um, so I think it was just a natural replacement <laughs> it was replacement therapy you know it was like well, I don't have gymnastics anymore. You know, obviously when training for a marathon, same thing, you know, you're running, you know, it's like you would go out and be running for two, two and a half hours mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And so same thing, CrossFit was that natural, you know, replacement where it's like, oh, well, like an hour of CrossFit, that, that's great. But more is better. Like, I wanna get stronger. I wanna hit PRs. And so, same thing. It's suddenly like you spiral and you're like two, three hours in the gym later. And I don't think that's m- different for many people. You know, it's like CrossFit attracts the type A, mm-hmm. high performing, competitive mm-hmm. people. And that's why you know, it's, I don't wanna say it's a very dysfunctional community because CrossFit's done so many great things. But again, it's like the more is better. You need to leave yourself on the floor. You have to destroy yourself you know, if you don't walk out, you know, rolling around on the floor in pain. And so it took me a really long time to get out of that mindset because, again, like it's so deeply ingrained. And same thing, you know, when you realize, oh, I'm, I'm halfway good at something. And, and disclaimer, again, I was on a team. So it's not like I was like, oh, hey, you know, I made it to regionals as an individual. But again, it's like I kind of found something. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this thing. Things. So, again, you know, more is better. Um, at yeah, some... the, um,
2: the environment, uh, the CrossFit environment is like, uh, God, it's like gasoline on the fire for, for some <laughs> people. Like, if you're that type A obsessive type of person – uh, that environment just—it's like an—it's like a bar for alcoholics. Like, I, I was—you know, to say like he doesn't mean you're going to be an alcoholic, but if you are, this is like not necessarily the best environment. <laughs> was there a a point where you were like, oh, I'm overdoing everything? Like this needs to <laughs> calm down. Yeah, or did
1: your body end up telling you what ended up happening?
3: My uh, my body ended up telling yeah. me. So, um, immediately after we competed at regionals, I remember like it took me six months to basically pick my body back up off the floor because it's like I knew like I just felt like total dog chits. Like I would go to the gym and um, just, you know, like have you ever been working out and you're like, I need to go. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> like that mm-hmm. scenario. Um, but same thing, you know, like being in the middle of a workout or, you know, maybe you're lifting and you're like, man, I could like black out a little or, you know, so um, got blood work done, and, you know, it was definitely, it was like cortisol levels were super fucked. And I remember at the time specifically, it's like it would, um, I was traveling a lot for work. And so it's like, we would be out at team dinners at, you know, eight or 9 p.m. And it's like my cortisol curve was super opposite because it'd be like 9 p.m. And then you said, like, Whoa! You know, like everything, you know, it's like, wow, Lori, you're getting really loud. But same thing, it would just be like tired, but wired. I'd go back to a hotel room and um, after dinner and just like, shit, man, like I know I need to go to bed. I know I have an early flight, but like I just can't wind down. And so it was like cortisol levels sucked. Um, I've struggled again with thyroid issues my whole life. So obviously after competing, like they were absolute dog shit. Did you have Um, to
2: adjust your your thyroid uh, medication through this process?
3: Yeah. Is it
2: more or less? Did you have to end up taking more of it?
3: So the uh, I'll kind of sidestep your question for a second. And I'll say that I took thyroid meds um, from the time I was in, again, late high school up until the time I was 28. And I never once saw optimal thyroid values. And never, so okay. later I learned, um, because, again, I worked for a really big company that was full of, of very intelligent people. And so um, as I was kind of struggling with thyroid stuff, with competitive exercise, it, it was like I had a coworker that was like, hey man, um, just food for thought, like I know you're always struggling, with your thyroid meds. I know you're always struggling to feel well. And no doubt, like you need to fucking eat more food, stop training as much and, you know, have a better relationship with the frequency of when you exercise and like, you know, take it down a notch, give your body a break. But have you considered the fact that you've been taking hormonal birth control since you were a teenager and here you are at, you know, 28 years old, still struggling to find good, you know, good values. Like understand that, you know, hormonal birth control can impact thyroid levels. And so same thing, it was like through my early 20s through my late 20s was constantly it was like every three months I would go get my levels tested and you know it was like even as I hedged closer to 27 28, 29 it was like I'm doing everything you know all air quotes everything right it was like hey like you know I'm I'm eating you know ample calories I'm eating ample fats I'm eating really high quality food you know it's like I at a point it you know, this past, I would say the past two years, I've really just been cranking on just like getting my shit together. But it was like, I'm not training hard anymore. You know, I'm prioritizing eight to 10 hours of sleep. I'm eating cruciferous vegetables I'm worrying about gut health, liver health, you know, all this bullshit. And I still wasn't seeing optimal thyroid values. And then when I finally did transition off of hormonal birth control three months later, first time in my fucking life.
2: Wow. So then you went off the birth control. Mm -hmm. Now your thyroid is is normalized. Yep. And so
3: this past, um, so that happened when I was 28. Like I said, I'm almost mm -hmm. 30. Um, But this past two years is, you know, kind of when the wheel started turning where it was like, shit, man, this isn't an uncommon narrative. That's like, you see, I see women all the time as clients where it's like, hey, what medications do you take? hormonal birth control, thyroid meds, uh, Mm spirolactone, or some similar, you know, um, some sort of medication for acne. Um, Oh yeah, I'm also taking antidepressants or um, some sort of anti-anxiety meds. It's like the full plethora. And then it's like, when you really look at that, it's like, huh, the interesting thing is that we know hormonal birth control can impact gut health can impact nutrient deficiencies, it can impact, you know, mood and all of these things. And so it's like, how many clients I've had where it was like at some point they got off hormonal birth control. And then, you know, we'll say like it's a long process, right? Like one simply does not work with their doctor and the doctor says like, hey, get off your anti you know, anti anxiety Mm -hmm. med or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like the number of clients I work with where, you know, maybe over the course of three years together, they went from five cajillion medications down to oh, wow, we don't take any. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like, we don't live in a fucking bubble. So this, is, this doesn't paint the picture of like, yep, mental birth control did it. It's the devil. But it's like, it's a big factor mm-hmm. that has to be considered.
2: Was
0: well, that me? a cold on. turkey decision? Uh, what did that look like getting Ooh. off birth control?
3: Um, so here was kind of my thoughts. It's not personally one that I would normally um, do with clients, um, and we kind of talked about this off show. But like my personal coaching relationship present day, that I really strive for is, hey, it's me. We have you know our badass client, and then we have a functional or integrative doctor. And so um, I'll expand real quickly because I get this question on social media all the time. So I think it's a really great point to hammer. But But like a functional doctor looks at the body as a whole rather than um, sometimes we get doctors where it's like, oh, you've got gut problems. Go see a gastroenterologist. Um, Oh, you've got, uh, you know, this, you know, it's like functional doctors look at everything as a whole. And so same thing, you know, they tend to be a little bit more holistic or a little bit more natural in the process as well, where it's like rather than just reaching for five million medications or prescriptions or whatever it is, it's like they're trying to look at the bigger picture of like, Hey man, if we have signs of insulin resistance, why don't we eat 10 degrees less like an asshole? Like why don't we, you know, try changing our food and you know stuff like that rather than again being like, "Oh, here's a prescription for metformin" or "Oh, here's a prescription you know, for this." Um and so that's kind of the coaching relationship that I tend to strive with, but um when I got off hormonal birth control, um, at the time I had shoulder surgery. And so I had torn my shoulder at regionals on um, during the snatch And so uh, long story short, it was like had surgery. And then it was like my entire life just kind of went to shit for the second time. So it was like the first time was like when I um, actually competed at regionals. And then it was like, You know, turn around. I think there was like a year difference between when I actually figured out, oh, hey, like your shoulder pain, this chronic thing you're dealing with, isn't just like you need to see a chiro more often. It was like, Mm. yo, like there's something wrong. Um, And so I had shoulder surgery about a year and a half ago. And so that was like when everything just <laughs> went to shit would be a good good uh, descriptor there. So it was like, A, I'm in mm, a shoulders thing. I gotta sling. do something. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm in a shoulders thing that was like, B, um, I think two months later, like I just tipped super estrogen dominant. So it was like I was carrying tons of weight in my midsection, rapidly gaining weight, which again, part of that comes with you can't train as hard if you're, you know, if you're bouncing back from surgery and stuff like that. Um, but just dealing with a lot of mood stuff, just a lot of symptoms overall. And so it was like, I just had this weird thing where it was like, hey man, like, let's just freaking handle our shit. <laughs> and so it was like, had shoulder surgery, also transitioned off of hormonal birth control, mm. and then trying to just you know, bounce back from all of that. And so it was like, Everything that I was doing, it was kind of like, hey, I'm just going to throw every possible dart <laughs> that exists. And if it sticks, like, I don't care what works. So um, you
0: just completely slow down then and isolate yourself?
3: Yeah. So I actually, at the time, I was living in Houston. Um, I was at a gym full of games athletes and we trained seven days a week. And again, like back to what we said earlier, where it's like, that's like an alcoholic being at the bar. Like, there's no way. It was like, I I was an asshole to my body. Like, I didn't slow down. I didn't try mm. to, um, I didn't give my body the time it needed to properly rehab it and so present day it's like I'm still dealing with shoulder issues ironically from all of that Um, but you know it's like I was at a gym and so I paid six grand to break my lease and like get out of there Um, so I moved to Austin I happened to my brother uh, lives in Austin then I had two friends that I knew and like that was it but it was just like well I'm just gonna move to a new city like then I can kind of get my Mm. shit together but um, ironically going through all of these hormone woes going through all of bouncing back from, you know, competitive exercise, overtraining, um, and the shoulder stuff, like, that was where gym programming was born, because it was, like, when you're dealing with hormone issues, when you're dealing with cortisol issues, when you're dealing with just all this bullshit, it's, like, you have to train differently. Like, it's not as simple as, you know, it's mm. like, oh, hey, like, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, do a thing at the gym. It's like, we would test stuff where it was like, I couldn't do, I'll, I'll say cardio loosely, but it's like, I couldn't hop on a salt bike. Like, if I would hop on a salt bike, same thing. I'd be like, cool, I feel like I'm gonna black out. And, you know, so it's like, we problem solved through a lot of the things where it's like, finding a way that people can still train while in a compromised state and like, how do you help your body bounce back from all of that? So it's kind of this bittersweet thing where it's like, I went through (laughs) a couple years of just, you know, deep in the weeds, but so many great things came from it because it's like, now we have this awesome community where it's like, hey man, ultimately at the end of the day, like, do you just want to look good, feel good and Mm. fucking have fun in the gym? cool like we have a program for that you know and mm-hmm. so I think like I love questions because I'm sure you know it seems like you guys deal with this a lot too where it's like oh how do you feel about Orange Theory or how do you feel about spin class or like you mm-hmm. guys did a great episode about like Beachbody stuff um, but it's like people want you to know, defend of black or whites and it's like again like at the end of the day like I'm so grateful that CrossFit you know got me into all this because everything I'm doing present day with you know my job my business you know our, our two companies like it all started because of CrossFit but It's like I learned so many things the hard way, and I think Mm. there's so many people still out there, you know, learning things the hard way because it's like so many people ultimately work out because they just want to look good and feel good and yet you know they're smashing their face with spin classes you Mm. know six times a week and then maybe later they go to hot yoga afterwards and then that night they go to orange theory they go to crossfit it's like fuck man do you
0: feel like crossfit like people in the community are drawn to you and what you're doing now and are you helping them or rubbing people the the wrong way (laughs)
3: uh so like i'm always like I'm not everyone's cup of tea and I'm okay with that um, because I think like authenticity guaranteed is, is something that I really strive for. So it's like, I don't ever try purposely to be a dick, but I think at some point, you know, it's like, I'm a very sarcastic person. And so if people don't quite wrap their minds around that, it's like you might get offended. But it's like um, I do try to have fun with it. You know, it's like if you're going to talk about things like hormones, or again, like we talked about off air, like if you're going to talk about low testosterone, like you better believe there's going to be dick jokes that come or um, stuff like that. But it's like trying to, I would say equal parts. is like, how do you talk about all this in a way that's well received and um not uncomfortable because again, you know, it's like if you talk to people, it's like, well, people don't want to talk about their issues. People, you know, it's like, no, like let's talk about your issues. Um but I think, yeah, you know, especially with our community, like that's the biggest feedback that we get from people is like, holy shit, man, like I used to have really Poor, you know, like relationships with myself. I used to look in the mirror and just, you know, tear myself apart. And um, I used to train, you know, too many days a week, or I used to be under eating. Like we effectively are teaching people how to eat well and fuel enough for their body. You know, how to just understand what your goals are, right? Like if you're fucking, you know, if you're if you're competing, like you have to worry about performance. You shouldn't be worrying about your abs or your aesthetics. You know, it's so like helping people just own their shit. But also, again, like I think. One thing that I've done really well, um, in the coaching space is it's like a few years ago I didn't used to immediately promote people like, Hey, go see a therapist to, you know, to work through this or hey, you know, go get testing, like go get these things checked out. That's like Um, literally on the daily, we have people posting in our Facebook community group where it's like, yo, like, I'm so you know, like, thank you for repeatedly reminding us to just handle our own stuff. Because I finally went to the doctor. And it turns out, man, you know, been struggling for years. And oh, well, like, a like, my hormone levels are in the floor, you know, I'm struggling with thyroid issues, my cortisol levels suck, you know, so all this stuff. So I think across the board, like, I'm just really proud of kind of what we've done. Because again, it's like, I'm just trying to help people not go through what I went through. So how
1: often are you having to turn people away from CrossFit? Ooh,
3: I wouldn't say turning people from CrossFit, but I would just say helping people get really clear on their goals. And so again, um, just as an example, it's like if your end all be all goal is aesthetics, well, like, nobody's doing CrossFit and then showing up at Mr. Olympia, right? So it's, like, helping people understand, like, okay, like, I hear you that you really love CrossFit, but if you're communicating to me, like, you just really want to look good, cool. Well, like, kind of, A, let's get you lifting more, let's get you, you know, bodybuilding more. And again, if they want to CrossFit, it's fine, but, like, helping them understand well, okay, you know, those two or three days that you're CrossFitting might not be as conducive to your goals as if you were just bodybuilding five days a week, and that's fine. Because, again, the biggest thing is just, like, there's no right or wrong way to do this. It's like, A, do you enjoy what you're doing? Because if you don't, like, you're not going to do it regardless. But B, you know, just the idea of education, even you, you mm-hmm. can only lead a horse to water, right. but getting them to understand, you know, what is conducive to their goals, what aligns with their goals. And then, you know, it's up to them to decide you know, what the rest of that shakes out.
1: Well, wouldn't you say that? That's In my experience, I feel like most people that are attending a, a CrossFit box are there just like the same people that show up to a 24 hour fitness or a normal gym? They want to lose body fat. They want to be healthier. They want to look better. And in reality, it's probably not the best approach for 90% of them.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. Because again, it's, it's just very hard to moderate between like how, you know, it's like if your best friends in the room, you're going to try to compete with them. You're going to go faster than you should. Whereas like if you're, you know, say you didn't sleep a ton, like, well, if you're at the gym, maybe you should take it easy, but in a CrossFit class, it's just harder to dial that down, or you know, if you're at Orange Theory, where they say, hey, you know, keep your heart rate between this and this, like, it's really hard to, like, sandbag it and, you know, listen, listen to what you should be doing. Um, so I think it's just, again, you know, it's like, you can only lead a horse to water, but, like, the CrossFit thing is hard, because, you know, the biggest rebuttal is, like, oh, but the community, and it's like, well, dude, like, if you have strong relationships outside the gym, like, don't get me wrong, it's fucking fun to lift with your friends, but, like, if the CrossFit gym is your only space that you are social and you have friends, that kind of speaks a bigger issue, right? It's the same thing with like you should have hobbies. Like, yes, it's great to go to the gym, but what do you do when you're not outside? You know, when you're not in the gym, and it's still okay if those hobbies are like, oh yeah, I love going, you know, stand up paddleboarding, or I love going hiking. You know, there's still physical things, and that's fine. But it's like. People don't have hobbies. All they have is you know the gym. But then people don't have friends. Like if you ask me in any other sector of my life, like I actually go to a Gold's Gym in downtown Austin present day, and I fucking love it. Um, I don't know anybody there and right. it's, it's totally fine because again, it's like now I have relationships outside of the gym and I, you know, I'd go spend time with people rather than just spending, you know, four hours at the gym on, the, you know, on a daily basis. So I think part of it is just like ha- helping people assess that issue as well. Well, mm-hmm. Lori, uh, mm-hmm.
2: two things. First, I do want to make sure I give a disclaimer. Like if you're going to reduce your medication, you always should go through a doctor. It can always be dangerous to oh, just yeah, cut medication sure. out. You said you cut, uh, uh, Birth control off three months ago. Is it are, are you getting used to now natural cycles since you haven't had them for a long time? And how has that changed how you feel and how you train? Yeah, so
3: that? disclaimer when we were kind of talking about my history, um, right now at this point in time, I think I've been off hormonal birth control for probably about a year and a half okay, or something like that. Okay, um, but yeah, like the uh, people, it's we're in such a weird time because it's yes, be the CEO of your own health. Um, understand, you know, the th- the food that you're putting in your body, understand the things that you're doing. But like people have to have doctors. <laughs> I don't understand why there's like people struggle with that idea so much because it's like, oh, no, I'd, I'd rather go on Instagram and play Instagram doctor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd rather you know, go on the Google and play Google doctor. But it's like for every medication, whether it's thyroid stuff, you know, whether it's hormonal birth control, it's like you need to be consulting a doctor for that. And so like the irony is like, if you're struggling to find a doctor, like literally go on Google, type in "functional doctor Austin Texas," and like you can find somebody near you. So, um, even present day, I actually have two doctors. Um, I work with a functional doctor virtually. She's in Florida named uh, Dr. Becky Campbell. Um, And she actually specializes in um, thyroid stuff. And then I also work with a doctor named Sean Tassone. And same thing, um, he actually, his big thing is he's done a lot of work with the Assure coils that are basically a form of birth control that go up your fallopian tubes. And so those have been causing a lot of problems with women where it's like, they would migrate to places they shouldn't be. I read about that. um, And so he's actually like the doctor that um, I want to say is well known for that thing. That's like he, if you're struggling with issues with those, Mm -hmm. he would be the guy to holler at because, you know, he's very good at the removal of those. But same thing. Um, You know, it's like it's not hard to find doctors. You just have to do the research. And you also have to understand like, hey – this might not be covered by insurance because, again, functional doctors do things a little bit differently. You know, you're going to be looking at full hormone panels. Um, specifically, when I hired Dr. Becky Campbell, it was like. I think in a week's time, I spent $3,500 just like, you know, out the gate. But it was like, we pulled a GI map test. And so I basically pooped in a cup, you know, we sent it off um, to get all of that evaluated. We did a test for SIBO. And then we did um, Dutch test is basically the most comprehensive panel you can do for hormone stuff. But same thing, you know, it's like all of those, all that extensive testing, it's not covered by insurance. And so it's just like getting people to kind of reframe a little bit where it's like, Hey, you know, like if you want standard treatment, you can use insurance and, you know, you might not get doctors that are the greatest, but it's like if you want to feel better than the average person um, and you want a better form of care, you know, you, A, it's, it's going to be a little expensive.
2: What are some signs that, that, you know, you have female clients that come to you that are, that are doing too much? Like what are some signs aside from testing, like Mm -hmm. going and get hormone tests? What are some signs that they can identify in themselves that they're maybe doing too much or not eating enough?
3: Oh man, the, over, <laughs> the overtraining Like the common one. ones, yeah. Yeah, um, I would just say like, A, kind of feeling like a zombie when you leave the gym. So like for me, that was the biggest thing I noticed when switching to bodybuilding was that um, at whatever point in the day I would go to the gym to work out, Like, that's when my workday ended. So it was like if somebody needed to schedule a client call, if I needed to try to answer emails, like, might as well hit it tomorrow. Like, it's not happening. Um, So I would just say kind of the concept of, like, brain fog or fatigue, whatever you want to call that. Um, Chronically feeling tired all the time. Disrupted sleep. So it may be common to wake up, you know, two to three times during the night or people say, oh, yeah, you know, I wake up during the night to be. Your body has systems that should down-regulate that situation. So it's like you should lay down at night, you know, sleep through the night and then wake up in mm-hmm. the morning. There shouldn't be anything like that. Um, it, again, like inability to gain muscle, inability to hit PRs, you're not seeing progress in the gym, um, inability to lose weight. Because again, like if your body your body has to feel safe to get leaned in to stay lean. So if you're chronically just exercising your face off. Well, guess what? Like, it might be really, really difficult to change your body composition or to lose weight or, you know, whatever that um, kind of body composition change you're seeking is. Um, with overtraining, you know, you can see in females it might be, you know, lack of a menstrual cycle because, again, like, y- the female body, whether or not you want to carry a kid, you you exist on planet earth like you're the only human species that can reproduce right so it's like if your body doesn't feel safe well it's going to cut off the mechanism to say oh hey you can carry a second child like if it perceives it's not a safe space you're not going to have a menstrual cycle um for you know for men it's like you might see lack of morning wood or you know some sort of sexual dysfunction you might see low hormone levels because again it's like if your body is just running on empty, it would be the equivalent of like if you just drink coffee all day long, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're you're just gonna burn yourself out. Well, same thing if you're just training, training, training. Well, yeah, like your hormone levels are going to go to absolute shit. Same thing, you know, your thyroid, you might see low thyroid levels. So it's like across the board, like your body is just so overstressed that everything starts shutting down because your body's like, well, Mm. you know, I can't I can't do anything here. So I'll just start shutting off mechanisms.
2: I'm seeing a lot of people um, and women in particular who are supplementing with what they'll call bioidentical hormones Mm -hmm. to kind of. Try to balance things. What is your 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 thought process on that? On on, on supplementing with these hormones to feel
3: better. So, uh, fun fact: I am 29 years old, and I'm actually on hormone replacement therapy. Um, and I talked about this big time on social media recently because it's like I fought it really fucking hard you know it was like I was trying so hard to do everything right like again like I was working I'm working with two of the best doctors you know Mm -hmm. arguably um out there and it's like at this point in time it's like I took down training um I'm eating tons of food like I'm five three um right now I'm actually eating a surplus um to try and gain muscle. That's like, usually my maintenance calories are right around 24, 2,500, you know, so it's like, I'm eating super good quality food. I'm eating enough calories. Um, I was, you know, working on reducing stress, you know, supplementing to reduce, you know, any sort of deficiencies, you know, doing all this stuff. And it was like, fuck man like at some point maybe if you treat your body like a trash can enough which i did you know mm. competitive gymnastics my whole life marathon training my yo know, that was probably like a 2 year stint competitive exercise for so many years Um, at some point like uh, it seems like your body's just like hey man like Mm. game over you Mm. know so it was like even when I in the state of like it was like I looked at both of my doctors and they were like we're out of stuff to suggest or we're out of stuff to change Um, so it's been about I think we're on like two and a half months and so I would say probably three weeks ago is when I finally noticed a difference Um, I'm Basically, on lab work, I had like estrogen levels of a postmenopausal woman. Um, same thing, testosterone levels were non existent. And so I'm taking a sublingual. So it's a little uh, flavored capsule type dude that you put underneath your tongue. Um, so I think it. I try to frame everything with me as like, what is this trying to teach me? And so in a former life, I had always said like, oh, well, you know, if nutrition is good and exercise is good and lifestyle is good, um, you know, hopefully there there doesn't have to be a medication. And so it was a, a big slap in the face when it was like, cool. Well, um, here we are, 29 years old, hormone replacement therapy, again, still taking thyroid meds as well. Um so it's, it's a very fascinating time for me because it really opened the window to, okay, this is, <laughs> you yeah. for some people this yeah. does become a necessary thing. And who would have thought that somebody that tries so fucking hard would end up being one of them?
0: What are some of those practices that you apply now to reduce stress in your <laughs> life? Ooh.
3: So um, I think the biggest thing is just coming to terms with my life and what it is, which is I currently present day, I have about uh, 20 or 25 nutrition clients. Um, We have a gym program with hundreds and hundreds of people. And then, you know, social media wise, I'm traveling two to three times a month, um, writing, I think at this point, there's over 300 blogs (laughs) on my website. So you know, I'm chronically researching, writing articles and stuff like that. And so it's just like, I, I live a stressful life and yeah, by choice. Yeah, that doesn't sound like um. you're getting stressed. <laughs> um, and so it's just kind of understanding, like, this is also the way I enjoy, you know, running my life. And so it's just optimizing. And so I would just say it's more just having non-negotiables where it's like, you know, sleep has to be a big priority. And I'm really big on like, hey, if I didn't sleep, you know, seven, seven and a half hours, like, you don't get to go to the gym today, Lori. Um, Another big one is like if I I know that like when I travel I get really stressed and so I have a big thing where it's like hey if you know if I fly home on a Monday I don't get to train that next day it's like just come home get back into routine um, and that's been a really big thing for me because it's like if I track my HRV like I said like <laughs> that shit was super super bad Um But then it's just like present day, I'm trying to just scale my business as much as possible to depend on other people and kind of distribute out um, all the things I'm doing in a day. Because it's, you know, it's a lot and I'm certainly, you know, I'm a relentless little motherfucker, but it's like, we're bringing people onto the team where it's like, how many different things can I get off my schedule, depend on people and sort them out. Um, Training wise, I'm only training about four days a week, it's 60 minutes, and that's it. Um, I kind of just set a timer and once it hits, you know, that hour mark, it's like, hey, you got to get out of the gym. But like, I'm also just a lot better. Like I used to be that person that when I traveled, you know, I would freak out about like, oh, how do I find a gym? Or, oh, I'm in a hotel. I better figure out some crazy workout to do and I'll just do body weight. It's like, no, dude, like even here, like um, I've been in San Jose. I flew in yesterday. I'll be here um, till end of day tomorrow, but it's like three days off just Mm -hmm. chilling and enjoying it. So it's just a lot of things where it's like, Looking, you know, just regularly checking in with myself. But then little things too that sound very woo-woo, but it's like regular practices of journaling and meditation and just um, maybe like this. this sounds like such a simple one, but I think it's a big one. But it's like when you're constantly scrolling through social media, which disclaimer, both of my businesses are on social media, it's like having hard boundaries on how much you're on your phone, having hard boundaries on like, you know, there's a lot of times I'll drive in my car and I don't listen to music or I'm trying to like not blow up my eardrums. Cause again, it's it's all just different forms of, you know, stress and stuff like that. So it's a lot of little things. Um, but present day just really trying to slow down, be present, and again, you know, be mindful that if I'm feeling stressed out, you know, what are the different mm-hmm. things I can do to kind of migrate? Do
0: you feel that? like that's the hardest thing for you? Oh,
3: for for sure. Because even you know, the the best part is when you see it via lab work and so Um, I remember specifically when Dr. Becky Campbell had me pull my lab work and it was like, you know, she looks and she's like, this is what launching your own business looks like. Cause it is like the past year was just crazy. Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, I went from being in a, you know, a very important position in a company and stepping down and being like, cool, like let's do our own thing. And um, it's just like when you launch your own stuff, like there's nobody there to do the work except you, you know? So it's like, it was very humbling to see like, Oh Cool. This is this is what it looks like on on lab work to run, you know, to start and run your own businesses. What what mm.
1: percentage of your clientele would you say d- does CrossFit?
3: Uh present day. I think the cool thing is that. When you consistently put out messages, you attract a certain type of client. And so when I worked for um, a nutrition coaching company, it's fascinating to me because it's like, I want to say I never like connected super well with those clients, but they weren't clients that, you know, were necessarily interested in working with me because of what I had to offer. It was like they were applying initially because of the company and, you know, that whole sector. So like now that I run my own business, people, it seems like it's like... The people that want to do nutrition coaching are people that have been following me. It's like they bought all my eBooks. They've mm-hmm. been, you know, they're already members of our programming. They, I want to say, they already drank the LCK Kool Aid, but it's like. They're already doing all the things that I I try to promote, and then suddenly it's like it's still not enough. And so sort of like, okay, you sign me up for coaching. Um, but I think you know, back in the day, I've kind of gone through shifts where it was like, you as a coach, you kind of specialize in certain things. So it's like when I first got into coaching, all of my clients were like clients struggling with hypothyroidism because again it it was what I talked about a lot and they knew that I was struggling with it and they knew that it was kind of you know something I was very well educated and well very well stepped in um and then over time it was like when I was going through the competing phase same thing it was like I was attracting all the Mm -hmm. competitive athletes and then um when I started, you know, it was like, "Hey, uh, you know, I transitioned off of hormonal birth control, and you know, we're kind of working through the shit." You know, those were the types of clients I was getting. Was like, "Hey, like, either I'm on hormonal birth control and I'm interested in transitioning off of it." Or I transitioned off of it and things aren't going well. Like, <laughs> help helped me get above it. So I think um, even present day now, you know, it's like my following on social media is like 82% women. So it's like I actually miss the days of working with guys because those used to be my favorite clients. Just, again, you know, having two older brothers growing up. And, like, I've always been, like, kind of the loud, outspoken, like, I, I just tend to jive better with dudes <laughs> for that reason. Um, so I kind of miss those days. But even present day, you know, like my, I, I don't take on clients very much um, present day, but they, they do tend to be females that um, are still going through some sort of hormonal issue, whether it's, you know, lack of a menstrual cycle, um, some sort of situation with PCOS or you know something with hormonal birth control, whether they're on it or want to get off of it. But um, as far as the actual like exercise question, I would just say it depends. But I'm I'm definitely still very much like I don't have people from the bodybuilding space you know reaching out to me. Right, I, think I mean that, like, like that CrossFit following is still kind of. That's
1: why. So me. is it you think it's less than ten percent of the people that you're helping are in Cross in the CrossFit community, or would more than that? Like how what percentage would you guess?
3: I would say still honestly more. I would say a majority of. Um I would love to actually do a poll and ask people because it's like when I started my social media you know so long ago I feel like my the people and stuff like that has very much shifted. Um but I think for sure it's like I I would say probably closer to like 75 or 80% for oh, sure. Oh do. Okay. okay so that's yeah. a lot. so
1: what made me why I asked that is cuz it when we were talking earlier you you kind of made a comment like you didn't You don't really discourage people from doing that. I would think from your history and what you've gone through uh, and also knowing your awareness that you would probably discourage most people that you help from even being involved in CrossFit at all, even if it is something they love to do and exercise that way.
3: Yeah, I think again, like it just comes back to like, I'm more concerned with just helping people find what's right for them. And like, I don't regret crossfitting in any way. And I still, um, you know, even I used to be on seminar staff for the um, gymnastics sector and stuff like that. Like I fucking loved CrossFit. CrossFit just didn't love me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> was kind of the coming to Jesus. And so I think same thing, you know, it's, it's helping people just recognize what are you doing and then asking, does it work for you or how's that working? Yeah. Out but isn't you?
1: that it though? I mean, that's in my experience, I have found that m- most of us are, are not doing the things that we should be doing. You know, and like we said earlier in the show, the people that tend to be that gravitate towards CrossFit are the worst people that should be doing it. (laughs) So that's where I'm I'm heading with this. Is like I I I get where uh, as a as a coach and as a trainer, you know, we want to encourage people to exercise because you know, and and doing something is better than nothing. But sometimes I don't know if that statement rings true, especially when you talk about. Uh, the, the way we train in CrossFit and then the type of person that tends to be attracted to that, more often than not, I unless you're somebody who's training for the games or to yep. be an athlete, because that's where I see a, a separation, because that's just no different than a football player who wants to be a pro football player or a basketball player that wants to be a basketball player. I would never tell him, stop playing your sport you because you want to do that sport. So unless you're coaching athletes that are actually trying to go to the games, everybody else, I would think that you would discourage from even doing CrossFit?
3: Yeah, I would say this, um, because again, most of my content is either talking about just, you know, how to improve quality of life, how to improve, you know, body composition or work towards the body that you want, or, you know, just um, how to bounce back from hormonal issues, you know, adrenal issues and stuff like that. So it's like, I would say across the board, I'm always just promoting people like, do stuff that isn't high intensity. Like, I feel like for a while, like the whole HIIT um, sector was so popular and so Mm -hmm. booming. it's just like, guys, like, I get it. Spin class is fun. I get it. Orange Theory is fun. I get it. CrossFit is fun. But it's just not conducive. Like, you can't fucking slam your body into the floor and then question why you're having, Mm -hmm. you know, issues and stuff. And so I think it's, it's just the whole lifestyle of, again, it's like, I remember when I used to train where it was like, I didn't take rest days and like I had literal anxiety because it's like you have training partners that you get you know very attached to right and you'd be like hey see you tomorrow at 6am well what the fuck happens yeah. when it's 6 a, you know it's it's time to go to the gym and you're like man I feel like dog shit but I gotta show up for these people and again it's it's just such a slippery slope and so um it, it it's fucking hard dude yeah. like it's it's so hard because you can't make blanket statements but you know it's I think you guys are in the same boat where it's like CrossFit can do some some good, and you know it gets people into lifting. It gets people intro to a certain world, but it's like there's so many better ways. <laughs> there's there's so much more efficient ways, and there's so many more better ways to do things.
2: Lori, when you when you started to reduce your training, um, and you were trying to balance your hormones out naturally, mm-hmm. was that also when you then started your own business?
3: Um. So there was probably. I would say there was a six month, six or seven month gap.
2: So you went six months off the hard training, but then you started your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think that that the stress from starting your own business might have been a similar stress to the oh, training? Too yeah. much, yeah. <laughs> like we yeah.
3: we just picked up where we where we left off, in yeah. my opinion. Um, I think that even work wise, um, because when I left the company that I was working for at the time, it was like. There were 15 or 16 coaches that I was overseeing. We were traveling one to two times a month teaching nutrition certification courses. And then I had upwards of you know like 125 or 130 clients. So it's like my job stuff was already very stressful. Mm-hmm. And then you added in the fact of like, okay, shoulder surgery, okay, trying to transition off of hormonal birth yeah. control. Okay, you're traveling all the time. Oh hey, you're trying to figure out this new thing of like, hey, I know my body's really overstressed, but I think I wanna train less. It was just like the past two years of my life were a dumpster fire if I really, <laughs> really dial back and look at it. But I think again, like that's why I'm such a good coach is it's like I get people that come to me and it's like, oh, been been there, done that. um So
2: yeah, it's a, it's like the body. You know, you have like this bucket that you can fill with stress, and it's really any stress, right? Mm-hmm. It could be physical, it could be mental, it could be emotional. And you know, do you ever encounter this with clients? Where you know, I've I've worked with people, and they'll be like, "But I'm not, I, I'm not working out that much, and I'm getting good sleep." And it's like, <laughs> "Yes, but your other stress is so high." Yeah. Um, and do you think that it's addictive? In other words, do you think that being under stress can be addictive to to some individuals. Oh yeah,
3: it's a series of like, what do I do with my hands? Cause it's like it. Cortisol (laughs) drips, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cortisol drips. Um, I think like what I, where I instantly went with your previous question was like shift workers are a really good example of this where it's like trying to explain to a shift worker that maybe it's not super conducive to still train the way that somebody would train if they were just, you know, air quotes, regular person. So it's mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of shift workers where it will be like, yeah, you know, I'm training five to six days a week and three days a week, you know, I do this thing, I work overnight. And it's like, if you're a shift worker, you might actually feel really optimal only training two to three days a week, because your stress that three days when you're working those 12 hours or in the emergency room, or um, again, you mm-hmm. know, as a paramedic or a firefighter, or whatever, it's like, stress is still stress to the body and your body can't differentiate it. And so it's like, that's a really hard thing. Because again, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, oh, but I love exercise because it's really stress relieving. It's like, motherfucker, you have to learn other ways to moderate yourself that aren't just beating your body into the floor with more stress. And that was a lesson I learned really hard when I had shoulder surgery, because it was like, oh, I can't can't do anything Hmm. i'm really stressed out about work what the fuck do i do um and so it was like i had to learn that life skill when i had shoulders. were you
2: when you were in the position of because you said a a couple months ago or a few months ago i I think or Mm -hmm. um, when you had to go on hormone replacement um where you said it was a slap in the face to you right because you were talking about getting the body naturally to its to you know where you should get it or where it could get or whatever were you confronted with the question of like okay I'm in this situation. Quality of life isn't good. I need to either do hormone replacement therapy or I need to still reduce more stress, which may be the business or whatever. Were you in that position and said, okay, no, I'm going to do the hormones because I can't.
3: I think the biggest thing is, like I said, when I really looked at it, I'm I'm always down the crunchy rabbit holes where it's like, if you look in my bathroom, it's all like paraben free, sulfate free. It's like, so it was like, all of my environmental exposures, like I use, you know, the little stasher bags rather than plastic bags Mm -hmm. and rather than drinking out of plastic, like I've got this stainless steel. You know, it's like I was doing all the crunchy stuff. I was also doing all the sexy stuff of eating cruciferous vegetables and eating sprouts. And, oh, um, my doctor has me on this liver detoxification support supplement. And um, I'm doing all this gut health stuff. So it was just like, What's the alternative? Like, I think the biggest tipping point for me was when you look at lab work, so in my case, again, I had low estrogen, low testosterone. The the irony was my progesterone levels were great. So, like, I still ovulate every single month. Like I want to say I'm super fertile, but it's like technically if I wanted to get pregnant, I probably wouldn't have a problem because most people don't ovulate. Most people have an ovulatory cycles. But so what was happening specifically was during the first half of my cycle, during my follicular phase, I'd feel fine. But then during the second half, it was like my mood was really struggling. And it was like, Being super down in the dumps, um, just experiencing like severe mood swings up and down, but again, just like severe depression, severe anxiety to the point that like it was getting crippling. And so it was like I was seeing every single month, it was like, fuck, man, like this is getting worse and worse and worse. And so, like, I remember I texted my doctor and I was asking her, I was like, okay, like, are there any natural supplements that support estrogen levels? Like, I understand part of this is just, again, like, I've got such a severe, um, Difference between my estrogen and progesterone ratios, and she was like, "No, dude, like, the, like the we're, everything that you know, where we think of, we could do, like, you're already doing it," and so. Um, I think it was probably like a week later, like I kind of marinated on the idea of just like, okay, we're out of options. So it's either continue to feel super fucking shitty or hopefully, you know, feel better. And how and many,
2: how many hours a day were you working at this time? Is it, this is why you were running your business or starting it?
3: Yeah. Um, so I've been running my own business for a little over a year, year and a couple months now. Um, but I would say in general, like, I'm I'm a workhorse. So, like, <laughs> if I have both, like, a, a blessing and a curse, it's, like, I don't know how to not work hard. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, if I decide I want to do something, like, shit's going to happen. Um, But, I mean, I would say in general, like, I'm definitely, I, I probably log, you know, it's, like, I'll start my workday at 8 or 9 p.m. and probably shut it down, you know, 7 or 8 at night. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, I've got very long work days. But I think it was more just, again, it's, like, it kind of looking and you're, like, okay, like, when mood stuff starting to get a little bit scary if like you just have to address that and Mm. so same thing it was like i reached out to my doctor and again like that's the other part of his practice is hormone replacement therapy and it was like what is the smallest dose we can get to just hopefully get back up to normal and then the goal is like again uh we'll be probably in the next month we'll retest again you know, see see what levels are looking like um and then see okay you know now that we're kind of up back towards a happy range can we transition off or at this point again it's like when you feel so bad like everybody has needs the permission to just feel good like yeah every, this, <laughs> that's
2: why this is such an important conversation because you could be in a situation where I, I in my opinion I think starting your business and the stress of that and yeah. obviously you are I I, I mean I'm, I've known you now for you know 45 minutes and I could tell you 100% you're a workhorse i could tell
1: how, that, you do, how you do anything is how you do everything yeah, and yeah.
2: That's, that's that probably contributed to all of that that attitude that mentality probably contributed to your body oh, yeah, you sure. know having hormone issues but at some point it's a quality of life thing yeah. um, i know when adam went off testosterone, i was just going to
1: go here i was yeah. going to ask i got not to cut you yeah. off Sal, but i got to ask you this because i'm listening to you tell your story and i'm wondering When was the last time in your life that you trained two days a week or less? And for how long of a period of time did you do that?
3: Uh, It would be a very short term thing. I think that present day I could handle it. Um, I think I have a very good perception on how I'm personally feeling. I do a really good job of just checking in where it's like, you know, like we feel like shit in the gym, you know, like let's take a deload or let's take, you know, four or five days off. Um, But I think the biggest thing with hormone replacement therapy in general is just making sure it's not the first step right like people want the magic pill people want the easy answer but it's like i would hope that everyone would do the same thing i did which is like you hire a doctor and you have you know very talented professionals in your corner but it's like you look at your nutrition you look at your exercise your lifestyle your gut health your liver health your adrenal health um you know you prioritize things like sleep and you prioritize um, you know resting and relaxing more than you're you know stressing your body with things like exercise and you know prioritizing food quality you're starting with all of the core foundations to that before you go on testosterone or before you start um, you know taking things because so I think the hardest thing is like again, a lot of people, from what I, from just what I've personally seen, it's like when people go on bioidentical progesterone, people go on some sort of testosterone replacement therapy, a lot of times the doctors are starting at such a drastic dose so that they immediately feel better, but that might not necessarily be the best mm-hmm. case. So I think it's just like starting small. So like even with thyroid meds, it's like you want to give the person the least amount, see how they respond and wait. Okay, thyroid meds or you know your thyroid levels didn't really drastically improve this six weeks. Cool, let's take it up a little bit more. Retest, and so I think it's just again like test, 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 retest, um, but really having somebody that's willing to listen rather than just
2: absolutely. And in my opinion, it's it's a quality of life thing, and people need to realize that if they if they've done something or damage to their body for a long period of time, it could take a very long period of time. Uh, to come back to normal, and you you have to either be willing to do that, and is that trade-off worth the loss of quality of life during that period, or is supplementing with hormone or whatever going to be better for you and your quality of life? And this is a very individual thing. I mean, and I was going to use Adam as an example. He you know he was on testosterone for years, uh, uh, maintenance levels, and then competitive levels as a competitive physique competitor. He went off testosterone. He tried a couple times. It was terrible. Then he weaned it down slowly, then went completely off. And I think it took him – how long did it take for you to get back to normal?
1: Bro, it's almost two years now.
2: Two years, and now the testosterone levels are in that normal range. But there was like
1: months of depression that the guy was going through. And not only that, and that's why I was kind of alluding to the training thing because this was a very difficult thing for me. Being a competitive athlete, uh, loving training, loving exercise – but also realizing that um, the training was not conducive to me getting my hormone levels back, and sure, a very small dose. And my my training for probably a eh, six months to a, close to a year was two three days a week tops. It was weak as fuck in the gym. It was terrible. <laughs> it was depressing. It was. I it took everything um. in me to just get in there and to move. I couldn't train with the competitive mindset that I had because what I'd find is if I do that I would backslide. And man, we were testing on me every I don't know three months or so, and I was I was not moving. I was this. I have my I have my my cycle ready to go. It's been ready to go for seven months now.
2: I remember he you said something like, "Okay, let's, if it's not normal in this next test, yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. go on because the, his quality of life was I've, the poor guy was, and he's one of the most he's just one of the strongest mentally strong person people I've ever met." And he was at that point, and that's it's, it's a very important conversation because you can go on the natural side, um, which I think is the right side. However, we can get very judgy with ourselves and other people, and you have to weigh things out. Like, like you know, sure, could you go back and say, okay, I still have too much stress. Starting my business was part of it. Maybe that's part of reason. Why or you could say, no, this is important to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the point now where I want the quality of my, of my life to improve. And that's why modern medicine exists. And yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but I do think that it shouldn't be the first option for people. Cause oftentimes the root cause, um, solving that you end up with the best yeah. quality well, of life. So overall. the
3: equivalent, right. Is like, let's say somebody is like, this isn't quite as you know deep in the weeds as like low testosterone issues right Mm -hmm. but it's like there's so many things where it's like root cause just always wins so it's like how many people will be like yeah you know I'm struggling with really bad acne like I think I need to go on the pill and it's like Did you try removing dairy? Like, have you tried removing gluten? Do you wash your fucking bed sheets, Mm. you know, once a week? Are you using natural detergents? You know, how, like, what quality of cosmetics and skincare and hair care products, like, are we using safer products? You know, it's, like, getting people to look at that root cause is really, really important too, but it's, like... Even it takes more work. Yeah, that's, it's, the, the, it's that's work. the difference.
2: It's like go to the doctor, get Accutane, or gotta fix my gut health. Gotta look at all my cosmetics. Gotta pay attention to how things affect me. Like
3: it's a lot of work. But in, I think in the bigger thing to understand, though, too, is it's like medication to agree like still can't get ahead of your shitty habits, right? So it's like if somebody, for example, like with thyroid stuff, it's like, again, if your thyroid levels are operating so far down below, it's like medication needs to, you know, you need- Because it can get dangerous. Yeah, like it can get dangerous. Like you need the medication to get you up, but it's a two part transaction because for so many people, they go to the doctor, you know, they have certain symptoms where it's like, oh, having weight gain, I'm having hair loss, I, my fingers are cold, you know, all this bullshit. But it's like they're not they take medication, but then they don't see things get better because, again, they're not addressing the root of like, hey, man, well, like if you're in a caloric deficit, that can also cause your subclinical well, thyroid levels the, like that. Happens, at the very you know? least, too,
2: that it, it'll mask um signals. So if you're, let's say you're a female and you're, you're just not training appropriately for your body, your, your stress level's too high, you're not eating enough, not getting good sleep, whatever. It's just, it's not working for you. Your hormones will send you that signal. You'll feel like shit, maybe have, be real fatigued, have difficulty losing weight or building muscle. You go to the doctor, they'll test your hormones. Those hormone levels are a symptom of, of something else. And if you Replace those hormones, you've now eliminated the or masked the signals. And so, and you, and it is a can that you continue to kick down the road. I see this with male athletes too, where these guys who they're like, oh, I'm on just testosterone replacement therapy. So I'm not, it's not the same as being, you know, pharmaceutically enhanced or whatever. It's like, actually, it is. It's very similar because for a normal man, if I do things that are wrong for my body, my testosterone levels drop. Yours always stay consistent. You don't get that same feedback. And Hormone levels, this is another thing we might want to consider, is hormone levels in normal ranges when all these root issues aren't solved may not be a good thing. For example, uh, estrogen in the wrong type of environment can be pro-cancer. Testosterone levels, high testosterone levels in a man who isn't taking care of himself um, properly um, can actually fuel cancers and be inflammatory, or cause heart issues. Now, high testosterone in a healthy man, because his body's producing that testosterone, is healthy, um, perfectly healthy. So there's a lot of things that we, you know, a lot of things that we need to consider. But at the end of the day, and I want to make this point, because we're going between, you know, solving the root cause and being natural about things, and then you know, using modern medicine. It's your quality of life, so you have to decide that for yourself. At the end of the day, like, how is my quality? And it, and it can take a long. There's some theories that that the central nervous system has a memory, and so if you beat the shit out of yourself for years and years and years, and then you're like, "But I've been perfect for six months." Like, you got to give it longer time, man. It might take it might take much longer than you might think. It might take like in Adam's case, two Fucking, years.
1: And I, my, I'm only I was only a, a abuse. I'm gonna say abused, because, but I was only taking higher levels of testosterone for four years. So this isn't like I didn't. I don't. Yeah, fall, a lot of women will be on birth control. Yeah, I don't for, fall in the category yeah. of. And,
3: and that's what I was gonna. That was instantly where my brain went. Is like, at the end of the day, for women, it's like your menstrual cycle is your fifth vital sign, right? It's like, and and that's part of the issue is like people aren't conditioned to care about women's health, and people don't understand the impacts that it can have. And so for me, it was like. I went on hormonal birth control at 16. I had really, really bad acne, and I had really, really bad menstrual cycles. So same thing, it was like, I was that person that, like, I'd sip school, or, like, Mm -hmm. I'd I'd be curled up on the couch, and it's like, well, the doctor never said, like, hey, man, like, maybe it's the fact that you're slathering your face. You know, maybe you have acne because you're eating tons of sugar, you're a traditional teenager that fucking spams, you know, Red Bull and pizza and, you know, all this dairy and gluten, you know, maybe it's the fact that you're using drugstore makeup and skincare, like, you have haven't licked a vegetable in six months you know you're not getting enough (laughs) fiber you're not drinking enough water like there's never that conversation the doctor is just like oh you have acne you just take this thing cool and so again it's like what a crazy spiral that a you know that might have contributed to thyroid issues later but it's like for 12 years i didn't have a menstrual cycle so i didn't know that i was overtraining. (laughs) because again it's like your body tells you so many things right so again it's like if you're getting back to like if your chief symptom is like yeah, I know, it's weird, like, I wake up multiple times a night, like, where my head instantly goes is a lot of different questions, where it's like, well, okay, you know, like, what do your blood sugar levels look like, you know, what, like, how are we eating, are you overtraining, you know, is your CNS just getting fried by deadlifts and high-intensity exercise, um, but, you know, with hormonal birth control, it's like so many women don't understand all the things that it comes from. But, again, it's like a woman's menstrual cycle and, like, your hormone levels should vary, you know, throughout the month and go up and down. And yet with hormonal birth control, it's almost just like the line across where it's like you're in this controlled environment 24-7.
2: Changes It uh, changes how we perceive things very subtly. We had Dr. Jolene Brighton on the mm-hmm. show. I know you know who she is, and she talks about changes your, uh, you know— How you uh, choose mates, the people you, the way you think and stuff. So it's and there's a lot of these these effects that that are downstream. It reminds me of I used to train a lot of clients in in advanced age, and sometimes they would bring me their well, oftentimes they would bring me their medication list because I'd have to talk to the doctor, and I'd look at their medications and I'd realize that half of them were to counteract the side effects of the other half. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why are you taking this laxative? Oh, because this one makes me constipated. Why are you taking this for? You know, for 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 fatigue. Oh, because this one causes me to get drowsy, and I'm like, oh wow, there's we're we're plugging holes this whole time, and that kind of stuff happens, you and know, I downstream.
3: Think the the crazy thing, right? Like, if you talk about like how the concept of like how to naturally balance your hormones, it isn't a lot of times like taking super sexy you know supplements or anything. It's like it's mostly it,
2: never that. It,
3: it's literally basics of like, yo man, you you getting enough sleep at night. Like, cool. Um, training. Are you training enough, but like not too much? Um, what does your food look like? You know, are you eating tons of processed foods? Are you getting mm-hmm. enough, you know, carbohydrates for your activity? Are you eating tons of sugar and bullshit? Or well, is it high quality here, food? Here's
2: like, one for you that uh, blows people away is is it's not just the activity, but it's how you do the activity. I could easily sit here and stress me myself the fuck out and not move. And I could exercise and relax the hell out of myself all because of where my mental state is and a lot of people need to understand that cuz i think you get the type a individuals who are like i'm doing all the things and i'm doing them perfect and i'm fucking and trying my to- the shit out of this <laughs> yeah and but but it's like that's like i remember I, when i first learned how to meditate i had an i used to have this uh, this side uh, facility to my wellness uh, studio that had group classes and i had a meditation expert come in and he was trying to teach me how to meditate and he goes sal he goes you can't you can't meditate by trying harder it doesn't work that way. That's the opposite of meditation. I remember being like, oh shit, that makes uh, perfect sense. One other thing too, Lori, I think would be important that we make a point on is that because women's naturally have hormonal fluctuations and because the female body um, is the one that carries the baby, they're also more sensitive to uh, stressors, uh, activity, and exercise. Whereas a man's tends to be a little bit more resilient. Doesn't mean we're All, like, way more resilient, um, but... Uh, a woman's body, like like if you do prolonged fasting um, and a hard activity, a man's body tends to be more resilient with that kind of stuff. Whereas a woman's immediately switches Nutrition and changes stuff, man, faster. Uh, well,
1: because they're responsible for reproducing,
2: right? Yeah. Right. So that, so maybe we could talk about some of those differences because I know a lot of women will be like, "But my boyfriend works out that way, and the guys do that way." And I'm like, "Well, you know, the female body's a little bit different. Actually, it's a, in, in my opinion, there's benefits and detriments. Yeah. You can't beat yourself up as much." but your your body's way more sensitive to signals around you and within you. And if you pay attention to those, you can become like a, a you know, a psychic of like what's happening. With you. Yeah. Like a total <laughs> like wizard. <laughs> wizard.
3: So I think the biggest thing exactly, as you said, is like, okay, if females exist to bear babies. There's just more stop gaps in play to keep us safe. Right. And so, I think the biggest thing worth mentioning is when we look at studies on diets, whether, you know, if we do a study on keto, if we do a study on carnivore, very rarely are they done on women. Oh, and, great point. and so part of that is just, again, like we can't even get studies on women started because we have to go back to basic questions of, well, do you have a menstrual cycle? Are you taking hormonal birth control? Oh, well, if you're taking hormonal birth control, what, you can't go like, to study. Like, yeah. like there's like, and that's where it stops. And so it's like understanding mm-hmm. that simply that, yo, like there's not tons of studies simply done on women. But exactly as you said, it's like we end up with a lot of this empirical data. Like I love when people ask, you know, how do you feel about keto with yo keto for women? I'm like, I fucking hate it mm-hmm. more times than not. How do you feel about intermittent fasting for women? More times than not, I fucking hate it. And so it's like, again, like every single type of diet works. Every single type of diet can have application. The question is, you know, is it right for you? But it took me, like, I recently just published my second ebook and it was titled, you know, The Fat Loss, um, The Badass Guide to Fat Loss Gaining and Maintaining. But so what I did with each particular diet was just mapping through, okay, like, A, what is it? B, what are my personal experiences or thoughts or um, what have I seen with clients? talking about how you know to implement it but then talking about a lot of big things to watch out for and so it's like for women it's like I don't like seeing low-fat diets over time like cholesterol is a precursor for hormones the fucking end so like you know in a diet phase could you cut fat as your source of calories and could you see fat loss sure But we also see a huge sector of women where it's like, you know, maybe you're following template nutrition or you're working with a coach that has you on, you know, 30 to 50 grams of fat a day. Those are your people that you look like a fucking wizard, coach, because they say, "Hey, uh, I haven't seen a menstrual cycle in two years. Can you help me?" And you know, you look at the food logs and you're like, "Oh, well, this will be easy." Yep. You slam them up to, you know, say 70 to 80 grams of fat. You give it a month, and it's like, "Oh, had a, I got had my, my period. first menstrual cycle!" Like, like it's so bad. But same thing on the mm-hmm. carbohydrate side. It's like I, I kind of work off of like minimum. So it's like when I'm looking at women again, like your your caloric need is going to vary based off of so many things. But it's like. Like, I don't like to see women, you know, my minimums for like fat intake would be like a minimum of like 60 to 75 grams of fat, a minimum of 150, 250 grams of carbs, and maybe even more you know, if you do competitively, you know, exercise, you're doing tons of training. It's like you might need, you know, 300 grams of carbs if you're an active motherfucker.
2: And you can also cycle them. I mean, you can also go through some days are lower carbs and much higher fat and other days are, you know, because that's probably how we ate naturally. But I love that you brought this up because you're absolutely right. Most studies are done on a population that does not uh, reflect the average Women, um, most of them, most of them are done on men, and if the women that are in the studies are, are many of them are on hormonal birth control, just because most women are yep. on hormonal birth control. Um, that's a very, very important thing to point out. Here's a good example. Especially recently, I'd say over the last five years, we've been inundated with uh, studies showing the benefits of coffee. It's healthy. It's full of antioxidants. Caffeine is great for dopamine. Great for the brain. In my experience uh, and and this isn't specifically with women, caffeine can be terrible. Now, not for always, but when I'm dealing with a woman who has too much stress, working out too much, this is most women who come would would, would hire me, um, lowering their caffeine or eliminating their caffeine had tremendous benefits, but the studies would show that, and they'd be, they'd bring these studies to me. Like this study says coffee's so good for me. I could keep, I should keep, you know, taking it's like, no, it's not gonna, that doesn't apply to you. These studies were done on totally different people. So I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. I
3: think the hardest thing about studies too is also understanding that they're always going to be a little behind. So it's like, we're going to see these things, you know, if it's doctors working with clients or if it's coaches working with people, like, we see this shit long before somebody has the idea of like, yo, let's <laughs> let's slam this into mm. research. Study. And I think like, that's the hard part is, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's always like, oh, show me the research or show, show me this. And it's like, fuck, man, like, I can tell you that, you know, in the past, you know, I I went to school, graduated. So I started all this, you know, almost 12 years ago. It's like, I can tell you a lot of things that I've seen observations from from working with thousands of people that, again, you know, are, are you going to see research studies on this? No, mm-hmm. but it's again, you know, it's like for women, it's like, OK, well, if you're struggling with thyroid issues or hormone issues. Being low carb probably isn't gonna help. Like it seems like again, you know, it's like carbs are very ne- <laughs> necessary to that situation. Um, again, it's like ironically, if I was gonna ping, you know, ping three things where it's like if you have hormone issues, don't be low carb, don't be low fat, and don't be low calorie. Well, what is there, right? That's like. Just being kind of more—it's like the longer that I coach, the more unbiased I get. Where it's just like, "Hey, man, like let's have ample amounts of fucking everything over here."
2: Yeah, you don't want the body to think that you're in a in a, a state of uh, you know partial starvation. Or I hate using that term, but um, when you're going low fat or really low carb or really low protein, um, the body starts to think that okay, we're we're not around a lot of stuff. And again, men are far more resilient to this. Um, than women are. And of course, there's an individual variance, depends on on the person. But uh, 100%, you see women go keto long, long term, and you start to notice more so in women uh, issues with thyroid yep. or even with antibodies uh, where the body's not utilizing the thyroid. I um, think like it's uh, supposed to.
3: kind of like a fun note to kind of explain to listeners, too, is just like for women, your menstrual cycle is always going to be about three months behind. So with guys, it's like you kind of get a quicker feedback report of like what you're doing on life, right? It's like, well, if I suddenly, you know, if I'm a guy and I suddenly stop waking up with a morning wood, like. Okay, like something I'm doing isn't working for me you know I, I, it's probably a little bit easier. And it's to assess, a pretty fast but, signal But for women it's like I just got a DM the other day where it was like, dude, it's so weird like right now I'm reverse dieting like I, I wasn't eating any food. I was at the bottom of you know a caloric deficit and now that I am dialing up my food, my menstrual cycle didn't come this month. And it's like, well, again, like your body is still so far behind, like your follicles take about 100 days to develop. Oh, so, so you
2: got to look that so, far back.
3: Yeah. So um I had a client who she got married. And so something very, very similar happened where it was like, she obviously weddings are super stressful, you know, went on a honeymoon and was traveling all over the place. And so it was like a few months later, same thing. She was going through a lot of menstrual issues she had never had before. And it was like, well, dude, like we have to look back at mm. your what you were doing. And so I think that's the most important thing to kind of reiterate to people is like, you could be doing everything right present day because you realize, you know, there were situations that we need to improve, but like you have to kind of look in retrospect too and see, okay, well, three months ago, sure enough, I was cutting for, you know, a weightlifting meat. Um, I wasn't eating. you know, Are there any calories? Well, okay, that makes Give it sense some that, time. you know, menstrual cycle is going to be S-
2: Something whack. you had, you had said earlier in the episode a few times was working on people's behaviors uh, and changing, helping them change behaviors. And we say this all the time on the show. That's really the only way to um, help someone long-term. Uh, it's the behaviors you have to work with, not necessarily count calories, count macros, yep. or whatever. Um, what are some strategies and techniques and, and, and ways you've been able to help people modify their behaviors when they have, let's say, uh, restrictive binge type behaviors or where they have bad relationships to food or exercise? Like, what are some of the things you help coach them through to help them with those behaviors?
3: I think it's going to be super individual. And I'm going to put the giant asterisk again that like if somebody has eating disorder tendencies as a coach, they are out of scope for you. Right. Um, and it's super heartbreaking. It's hard to have that conversation. That's like, you know, if at the end of the day, you're filling out a client you know, application or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I binge. Yikes! Like you're you're out of scope. Yeah, if right? it's clinical binging, um, yeah. Definitely. So so I think that's just important to mention. Um, but it's so individual because I think for a lot of people, like binge, the topic of binging is so fascinating to me because more times than not, it, things just get disordered. And so what I mean by that is like for some people, they might define their binging as every Saturday I fly off the rails. You know, I end up having pizza and ice cream and all that stuff. And so sometimes it's just looking at well, is it actually a binge? Like, calorically, what are we putting down? And so simply telling somebody, like, hey, if this is going down, like, can you just somehow document what you're actually eating, right? Because it's like people will say they're binging, but if you looked calorically, maybe they're really only eating, you know, 300, 400 extra calories. And so in their mind, it's more just they're eating foods that they've defined as, you know, air quotes bad. Like it's like, oh, pizza's bad and ice cream's bad. And I ate all mm. And it's like, it's actually, again, they're just it, judging it, it, it afterwards. Yeah, it's just like a state of like, dude, you over you know, 300, 400 calories. Um, for some people, you know, you see, this interesting tendency where it's like maybe they're in you know they hold it down Monday through Friday. they're super restrictive you know they're quote unquote eating clean and you're know, doing all the right things and then it's like on same thing on Saturday they fly off the rails. They they can't stop putting food in their mouth. They're so hungry. You know, they just blow it out. And so a lot of times it's just looking. well, are you eating enough calories on the regular Monday through Friday? Because if your body's in this restricted state, right, where it's like, well, now you have five days of exercise under your belt. You have five days of not eating enough calories for how much you're exercising. And then your body forces you to kind of blow it out on Saturday because it's just like, fuck, man, I need food. Um, for a lot of people, it's just like chronic under eating can be a really, really big nudge towards that whole, you know. Again, air quotes on binging Mm -hmm. um, tendency. So just looking for people, you know, it's like, well, fuck, dude, if you're a six foot male and you're eating, you know, 1600 calories and you should be eating 3000 calories Hmm. on the daily, like you're going to have a 5000 calorie day, like shit's going to get fucking weird because your body just doesn't know what else to do. Um, So I think just kind of looking again at the bigger picture of like a art, like how much food are you currently eating? Because so many people have you know people are resistant to tracking their food people are resistant to oh i don't want to weigh and measure oh that's so ocd or oh that's so obsessive and it's, it's like, it brings
2: awareness it brings I think awareness people, yeah. like
3: you wouldn't fucking do a science experiment and just not measure anything and so it's like when you have actual metrics like you can't argue. <laughs>
2: yeah. i think some i think some people don't they, they don't want that awareness so they want to be absolutely unaware that's, that's what it is. of what's actually happening um it something that I found that was very common uh, that that you know I, I think when it comes to binging, it's more of a the mentality and behavior around it, not so much the the fact that you're eating more food, yeah. like you said. I think judging it afterwards, you're probably just eating a little more because you need to. But w- what I found is that when people are in that that unaware, that state of unawareness and just eating, it's not about the the food that they have. It's about the food that they want. And so, and we've, I think we've all experienced this to some degree, especially if you've ever dieted down and gotten super shredded and then come out of that. You'll notice that while you're chewing whatever you're chewing, you can't wait to get the next one. And it really has nothing to do about what's in your mouth. You're not even enjoying the taste. Yep. It's all about wanting, wanting, wanting. And if that's the behavior that you find yourself having... Then yeah, you may have some some binging tendencies. That that might be the the, the situation. Do you do you advocate for like journaling and, and you know writing down how you feel while you're eating and whatnot? Does that help?
3: Yeah, so that's uh, journaling is a big practice I'm having a lot of my clients do, and so I think for a lot of people it seems overwhelming at first because it's like, well, where do I start? And you know, so again, like sometimes I give them very specific prompts. you know, for like, hey, well, like we don't love our body when we look in the mirror, right? Or, like, you're you're communicating to me, like, you're super uncomfortable with your body right now. You don't like particular things. And so, like, almost just going back to, like, why is that? Because for a lot of people, it comes from interesting places where it's, like, they dislike their body and their body appearance because it actually comes from a place of just simply wanting to be more loved in life. Or um, it's just they don't have the skill of just acceptance, right? So, like, I think that you guys have been putting out some interesting, um, like, Sal, I know you made a post the other day just talking about, like, you don't train quite as hard as you used to, and you're okay with it, right? But it's like, I have um, a pregnant mom right now, and I say pregnant loosely because she's postpartum, um, but so she just had her second kid, and so she's really struggling this time because it was, like, man, you know, my first child, this was so much easier. And, you know, I made the mistake of looking back at pictures, you know, where I was three months ago after, you know, the first baby. And Mm -hmm. I'm just not there anymore. And so it's like right now, like journaling is such a good practice for her because it's like, hey, man, like, when you looked like this previously, you were also feeling like shit. Mm -hmm. You were training double the amount of time, you know, you're doing so much more stuff. And so it's like just getting people to kind of unpack these heavy rucksacks of emotion
2: and- Well, our, our bodies and ourselves crave love most from one person and that's ourselves. And if you don't care for yourself, and this is the thing about love, love doesn't mean, like, you can have a child, this might be easier for people to understand, you can have a kid, and you can objectively say your kid's not perfect, I don't think any, I mean, real good parents will know that their kids aren't perfect, like, yeah, my kid's not perfect, he doesn't do this, or she doesn't do that, or whatever, do you still love your kid? Oh, absolutely, so that's what I mean by love, not looking at yourself and being like, I'm perfect, that's not love, that doesn't exist, it's looking at yourself or thinking about yourself, Be like, I care about myself. If you can't do that, you're going to necessarily always be seeking for it. And the way you're going to be seeking for it is by trying to achieve this ideal that's impossible. And it's a never-ending cycle of chasing that ideal. It's a never-ending cycle of looking more perfect, being more be- being better, being a different person, and you're just going to it's a spiral that'll never end and eventually turns into you know can turn into devastating yeah, travesty. Well,
3: I think the thing is like body positivity isn't my body's so great I uh, you know I, I look amazing 24 7 365 like body positivity and body awareness is like my body is great regardless of what it looks
2: my like. My body is my body I care about it and I love myself that's all it is you can objectively look at yourself and say oh I, I, you know, I have more body fat on my body than is probably healthy. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't love myself or care about myself um, because I'm not perfect just like anyone else. And again, if you don't care about yourself truly, you will necessarily always be seeking for it and sometimes you seek for it in the wrong places and it may even be from other people. It may affect your relationships with other people and, that, and I just want to make this point because there's this body acceptance movement and I think people confuse it um, and they think that it means that love, love like I, I'm going to take my objectivity out No, I love my body no matter what. I'm perfect. Like, okay, I get what you're trying to say, but that's not how it works because if you go down that path, it's not going to work either. It's totally, totally different. These must be conversations you have with
3: clients Uh, all the time. the body positivity sector is very fascinating to me, but I think the biggest thing is just, again, like you you can accept your body while also working towards the best, you know, the best body for you. And so I think the biggest thing is just like your best body weight is the one that allows you to show up and do the things you want to do and live the life you want to live. And so we can't go out and party 24-7 and eat fast food and bullshit, but then also be like, but I really, really want to look like a CrossFit Games athlete and have a (laughs) shred six pack. It's like, things have to line up. And so um, I think that's just, again, like the concept of acceptance is a really hard one because it's something that you're going to be working on the rest of your life and the rest of the time you're on planet Earth. But just also reframing too, that's like, the people that love you don't love you for the way that you look. You know, it's like we all at the end of the day, like we're going to get buried in the ground (laughs) with and eaten by worms. And I promise that like nobody is going to be, you know, you're not going to be on your deathbed and people are going to be like, man, you know, I wish uh, Susan was so Mm. fat. You know, it's like people remember you for why you're great and, you know, the things that you do for them and all of that stuff. And so we, I think from Mm -hmm. a very young age, we associate so much value with how we look and, you know, especially I would say the women's sector, it's like we are valued for what we look like and oh, she's pretty. Well, you're and- told
2: that you're marketed to fucking hell like that. I mean, you look at all marketing and it, it it's going to show you what the marketing values, which is getting people's attention. The easiest way to get people's attention is with attractive, sexy young people. Yeah. And so you're constantly being told that that's very, very valuable. And the problem happens or the issue is when you confuse Body image for self-image, they're totally different. Your self-image is not your body. I can have a body image. I can look in the mirror and say, my feet don't look funny or I'm losing my hair. Like, that's okay. Self-image, totally different. Uh, do you remember when you were able to separate the two? Because confusing the two, it sounds like that's what you did for a
3: long time. I was the same Yeah, well, like, I would just say this. Like, when all of my social media stuff started taking off, like, I remember having a specific conversation with my business partner where, you know, because we were cracking jokes about something. And, like, I just remember reinforcing the idea that, like, If I'm going to end up with a big social media following, I don't want it to be because, you know, like I'm showing my ass off on Instagram or because I'm pretty. It's like I want to be known as somebody that's a smart motherfucker, (laughs) you know, just bringing intelligence to the table and able to have, you know, really, really good conversations and stuff like that. And so. Um, I think for me personally it was just like the past couple of years I really had to work through different narratives because it's like I spent six and a half years of my life in a super abusive relationship and same thing it was like the one thing I always heard over and over again was how you know ugly I was and how you know various things about my body were horrific and all this stuff and so it took a really long time to again just like work I think you know from like 20 to 30 now it's like I've really worked through a lot of things and kind of come out on the other side but it's like even when I look back back at interesting tendencies I had, it's like, I was ashamed of my body. And so the way that manifested in real life was like, I always wore head to toe, all black clothing, even though like I was, I've never been overweight in my life. You know, it's like, I've always been very fit, very athletic. And so just kind of understanding that, like, regardless of your size, you you like everybody still struggles with body images, right? Mm-hmm. Or um there's just so many interesting tendencies that I had where it was like, you know, if I knew that I was going to the pool or even like if I knew I was gonna have sex with somebody later, like I'd starve myself all day so that I, you know, again, air quotes looked better in the moment. Um and I think that there's a lot of tendencies like that that people actually do carry. And so when you kind of start getting into the mental health and Getting into the body image and self image, like things get so messy. And so when you start working through these things with clients totally. again, because it's like, the, like women, it'll be fascinating. Where it's like, I've I've had several clients where it was like because they didn't have a good relationship with herself, and you know, didn't say nice things in the mirror, it would manifest in interesting ways. Where it was like they would date down or they would go for guys that it was like dude like you're gorgeous like what do we, you you know, you're you're gorgeous you're smart you're mm-hmm. funny you're you're intelligent you're successful and you can do so much better or you know they would go hook up relentlessly with guys and just like, You can't separate
2: them. you cannot separate health and just say just fitness or just it's all health and that's why i think it's important that as fitness professionals, we you, know, we you don't have to be an expert in all of them. In fact, you won't be. It's impossible or, or it's highly unlikely. But acknowledge and understand that that's part of it because if I'm not acknowledging and taking that into account, I, I would oftentimes refer clients to therapists. And then I'd work with the therapist and I would handle the exercise portion. The therapist would handle the other stuff. And then we would meet and talk. And, and they would say things to me like, you know, Sal, I know you're talking to her right now about Reducing her sugar intake, but here's some of the tendencies I'm noticing right now. Maybe it's not a good time to restrict that. And I'll be like, "No problem. Let's let's take that off the table right now." And I would work with it because I acknowledged it. And boy, my success with these clients was through the roof. And I think we do most fitness professionals do a terrible job of that, and may, mainly because let's be honest, most fitness professionals enter into the field because. We're pretty fucked up. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I think most of us are those obsessive personalities that get into it. So
3: well, and I think part of it too is just like, <laughs> you know, again, like if you're, if you're coaching somebody or for you guys, you guys are kind of more just like personal training. Whereas like I started off straight, just like, you know, nutrition coaching. Um, and then you kind of leaned into all the, you know, the, the actual exercise coaching. That's like the conversations I have now with people versus even if I look, you know, two years ago, it's like, the questions I was asking was like, oh, well, okay, you know, what does your exercise look like? Your, what do your existing macros look like? You know, what do your prescriptions look like? Whereas, like, now, present day, like, the things I'm asking is, like, what is, what's your menstrual cycle look like? Or, hey, like, like <laughs> I, again, I don't work with male clients a ton. They would be, like, asking, you know, questions about, you know, just sexual function and, um, again, the concept of, you know, do you have a morning wood and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but it's, like, I'm looking at all these sexy things present day where it's like, okay, menstrual health, hormone health, adrenal health, gut health, liver health, mental health, um, and checking in on those tendencies. Because again, it's like a few years ago, it was just the basics. And it's mm-hmm. like the the longer you get in the space, you realize like, golly, like it's even like I've been thinking a lot about continuing education, and I'm struggling because it's like, I like I want to get you, know, I want to get my foot in the door on more of these things but it's like I almost don't know where to start because I feel like things are a little behind yeah. um, but it's like again like you just want to be a really good coach but like how do you continue to to gain more tools and like I don't necessarily know that like certification courses are the way to go you know like people people always ask like oh uh, I want to get into nutrition coaching like should I go to school for it and I'm like the reality of like going to school for dietetics is that I interned under 14 dietitians that were all either overweight or obese. Like everything I learned (laughs) Mm -hmm. was outdated shit from the 90s. Like we literally had food pyramid in our textbooks. And you know, it's like, yes, I'm glad that I had that backing. But like everything that I learned about nutrition, I learned once I got into coaching and physically, you know, going through it and working with people. The same thing. It's like when I look at certification courses and like I look at the content covered, it's like, I mean, yeah, I could add that to my quote unquote resume, but I, you know, I already know how to do all this stuff, and so I think like that's the hard part is like finding ways to you know continue elevating yourself as a coach. But it's like I think that you're going to start seeing you know school go into a TED talk style of things, and um, I think that you're going to see you know traditional you know college kind of go away. And then again, you're going to see kind of more like certification, more TED talks, tile. Um, Hey, I can sit on my couch, but still continue my education stuff Mm because it's like in schools. I agree.
2: I think one thing that we try to do is we try to Mm -hmm. surround ourselves with people that we respect as experts in their (laughs) fields. And so we try to become more mavens. So it's like, okay, that's not my expertise, but I got the guy for you or I got the lady for you. And then everybody works together. I think that's what the future honestly, it's going to look like. Um, but it sounds like you're tapping into uh, a massive market demand within the fitness industry. Are you finding more and more people who are like, oh shit, this is stuff I need to, like all I ever thought about was my macros and my workouts. Like, this is going to be, this is crazy.
3: Oh, dude, every single day. Because I mean, what I do on social media is like, I'll pick a topic and then I talk about it, right? So it's like, again, like, what is it? What are symptoms of it? Or um, what do I need to know about it? And then, you know, kind of getting people to, again, like, okay, well, if you want more resources about this, you know, check out these books or um, consider leaning into testing for this or, you know, so just getting those wheels spinning. Because again, like with whether it's hormones, whether it's thyroid, like, everything is all interconnected. And so it's like, if you have thyroid issues, you don't just have a thyroid issue. Like you probably have hormone imbalances. You probably have adrenal issues. You might have, you know, insulin and um, blood glucose dysregulation issues. You know, it's like, it's all, everything is so interconnected. And so I just feel like education wins. um, Because when you empower people to truly understand, you know, how to look at the bigger picture, like, again, there's a lot of people out there struggling thinking, Oh, I just need to I need more motivation. I need more willpower. It's like, well, no, dude, like if if you're dieting, and your thyroid sucks, like it might be really, really hard to successfully lose weight. Or I think the conversation I drive home a lot is just the idea of like, Getting people to go the other route because, again, there's a lot of people that spend their whole time on planet Earth, you know, trying to lose that last five pounds. And it's like, when was the last time you ate at maintenance calories, which is well over you know, 1,800, 2,000 calories for a majority of women? Like, when was the last time your body just felt safe and you weren't trying to work towards something, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's like, again, whatever you tend to fixate on is also what you tend to see more of. So, like, if you're going to buy a new car, well, guess what? You're going to see that car, you know, everywhere you're driving around town. Very similar with our bodies. If it's like, if you have a specific body concern or it's, you know, oh, God, I really hate my midsection. Well, if every single day you also wake up, you walk in the bathroom, you lift up your shirt to, you know, ab check yourself or every single time you put on a piece of clothing, you know, you're grabbing your stomach or complain about it. it's like that's going to manifest and you keep getting worse and worse mm-hmm. because you're fixated on it. It's all you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just like the nutrition industry, it's there's such an issue of it's like we have more information available at our fingertips, but God is so much of it also garbage Um, medical medium is one that I love like I'm not usually somebody to just like slam on people but it's like homeboy literally in his books talks about he listens to spirits and that's where half of this information is coming like who's Uh, this? I believe I forget his last name but it's the dude that wrote medical medium so there's like medical medium so medium as in psychic yeah so like it's like it's fucking spirits (laughs) so when you're like hey man like I I appreciate this but like can we go back to like research and I think that's why I also appreciate people like I know you guys love like Lane Norton but it's like just trying to bring like the science and information to people you know um, but it is it's like on Instagram there's so much bullshit out there because it's like you can make yeah. money from it so you know people are gonna spam poor ideas or maybe it's they really latch onto an idea oh he's the celery juice up. guy Wow. Oh, as so we pulled up, heck yeah! Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> of course, he's the celery juice <laughs> guy too. The, the spirits told him. <laughs> the spirits told, uh, which again, like, it, 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 I love doing like Q and A's on Instagram, like with the questions box, because same thing, it will be like, how do you feel about celery juice? Uh, I mean, on a basic level, it probably tastes like shit. But it's like. Are there maybe some benefits? Maybe. Like, are there more potent ways to move the fucking needle? Like, yeah. if you're, you're going to make changes, go for cannonballs. Like, don't go for freaking bullets. Do
1: you know, no. that this, this... celery is like the closest thing on earth that's to water. Yeah. 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 And lettuce. Yeah. Lettuce, yeah. celery, and water. Ice, like, iceberg like, lettuce. Yeah. yeah people,
2: are like, I feel amazing. I'm drinking five glasses of celery juice. How much water did you drink before that? Uh, maybe zero. half a glass. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I know why he feels this formula right here that he's following so predictable. If I didn't have, you know, if I if I didn't have the integrity that it had, this it would be very easy to make a million dollars and I could very easily pick something and just spin it and sell the fuck out of it and promise it to but be But I it. mean
3: that's that's the hard part, right? It's like you're going to see like I think both of our platforms do a really great job of just like trying to fight through the bullshit and just trying to again like help lead people the right direction. That's unfortunately like the stuff that works. Is the stuff that's not sexy and yeah, it's and really takes long, it's really fucking longer. hard to right. sell, and
1: it takes longer. That's what it, it takes.
3: Is.
2: A, it takes a long time. It's like anything else, man. You want to learn a martial art, you're gonna have to train for a couple of years. We don't have the thing that plugs in your head like on the Matrix and you on some, you know automatically download kung fu. It, it takes time, and if you want to get your body to normalize, consider how long it you were not normalizing your body. Um, it's probably going to take a while, and so it's going to require some patience, and that's okay. If your if your if your quality of life is so terrible that you can't wait, then that's okay too, because quality of life is extremely important. So,
3: but I think like one interesting point I would love to bring up because um, I've this is like something I'm starting to see on my end, and I just want to put my head through the wall. Is like a lot of influencers and a lot of popular, like very very large companies, are starting to put out these hormone-improving supplements, right? right? And so um, you're seeing supplements that contain ingredients like DIM, like calcium deglucrate, like Vitex. And it's, I don't want to say it's scary to me, but it's like people, when we're looking at the industry, right, it's like, We see marketing, it's like, hey, are you struggling with PMS, bad acne, uh, irregular periods, and, uh, you know, bad gas and bloating? Cool. Well, like, that probably just described, like, 99% of people. Everybody just raised their hand, yeah. So, you put out a supplement that says, oh, hey, well, this thing is going to fix it. And everybody's like, fuck yeah. yeah." But it's like, when you, like, all three of those ingredients I list, DIM, calcium deglucrate, and Vitex. So, like, for example, like... If we take a supplement like DIM or calcium deglucrate and we don't need it, well, DIM can cause low estrogen mm-hmm. levels. Like if we don't have proper liver detoxification, you can cause some gnarly damage by just taking a supplement that contains yeah. it. Very similarly, um, Vitex basically acts as jumper cables and helps promote um, the connection between the, av- the ovaries and your brain. And so same thing. It's like, Vitex can have really great application, can really help symptoms like PMS, um, lack of a menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, various things, but if let's say somebody has PCOS or somebody has PCOS and they don't know it. Terrible. They also probably don't know that Vitex is the worst thing they could have because people with PCOS tend to already have elevated luteinizing hormone, which is what Vitex helps boost. So shit gets weird. And so like I cringe because there's two supplements that's like constantly people are sliding in my DMs being like, how do you feel about this well, balance? supplement? How do you feel? And it's like, here's guys, why it annoys like, me
2: <laughs> because like, like those Products like Vitex, for example, um, you know, they things like it or it itself have been used for a long time in Chinese medicine, for example, Ayurvedic medicine. But here's the deal: you go see a Chinese medicine practitioner, they never just prescribe you, or at least they shouldn't just prescribe you herbs. It's also a part of a protocol, and oftentimes those herbs are are the short and the small part of it. So, if like you're on this protocol, and they'll say sleep diet stress meditate whatever they'll say also we're going to use these supplements for this period of time to get you through the transition phase or whatever they
3: also probably did testing to Uh, confirm that's my (laughs) and
2: that's the other point like you you don't just take them and think it's going to fix it doesn't work that way and oftentimes it makes things worse yeah and and so
3: that's what kind of what i was getting at earlier where it's like that weird balance of like yes, it's good to be the CEO of your own health. And like, that's something I really try to empower clients and stuff like that. But at the same time, like understanding when things should be left in professional hands. And it's like, you know, with clients, it's like, you can't just take these things because, you know, your favorite influencer with code, you know, Ashley 10 said, hey, take it. Or because, you know, your favorite company, you love, you know, their protein powder, their greens powder, and they just came out with, you know, this this fancy new thing. And, oh, I think I'll take that too. it's like, Oh, we also live in a very scary time because it's kind of like the Dr. Oz, you know, if he says, hey, buy the supplement, everybody's, you know, (laughs) fucking runs the store. And it's like, oh, like it's so it's so good because, again, we're starting to have conversations, information's getting out there. But it's like always, 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 forever and ever, amen, test and don't guess But B, it's like, please just, you know, ask your doctor, find a good doctor. Like it's you can spend all this money on shit you don't need and also make it worse. Whereas maybe yeah you know you might spend four or five hundred dollars on hormone testing and yeah like that's fucking expensive but it's like it's an investment in yourself and then you don't waste more money on shit that doesn't work for you right because it's like again all these all these hormonal imbalance symptoms can overlap so much and then sometimes it also just comes back to like they're super basic so mm-hmm. it's like well if you're suffering with like symptoms that might seem like thyroid issues it's like let, like let's say the symptom of like oh I have really cold fingers that could also be as as simple as like, oh, I have a B12 deficiency. Oh, I have an iron deficiency. Oh, I have a vitamin D deficiency. Yet you're over there like also, you know, being like, oh, I've, Google says I've, I've for sure got all these symptoms. I've probably got thyroid issues. And so it's just like, we've got to get Or maybe people. it's cold. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's fucking cold. <laughs> um, maybe it's, you know, again, blood glucose dysregulation, but it's like getting people to get on the more preventative side or if you're already deep in the shit getting people to be like okay like let's invest let's immediately try to you know pull the brake Mm -hmm. on stuff and let's actually get a full picture of what we're going on but even with testing stuff stuff gets so hard because (coughs) doctors don't pull the right things like if we talk about thyroid it's like Traditionally in the 90s, people just used to pull TSH levels. Well, TSH just tells you your messenger hormone. It's kind of the equivalent of if somebody walked up, they knocked on your door and they said, Hey, I need you to do this thing. Like, that's all it does. And so when you're looking at thyroid, you need to double check your doctor because nine times out of 10, your doctor isn't gonna order all the tests we need to fully get like a heck yes or a heck no on a diagnosis. So you need TSH, you need free T3, you need free T4, you need antibodies, which is TPO and TGAB. I also usually, if people can do it, reverse T3 is really good as well. It's just expensive to order. But it's like, how many people go and they get testing and they say, oh yeah, doctors, doctors said there's definitely no thyroid issues and you look at it back and it's like, well cool, your doctor ordered TSH and a uh, total T4. Awesome, rad. Mm-hmm. But same thing you know, with hormone testing, it's like, well, maybe if we're testing for testosterone, they pull free testosterone, but they don't pull total testosterone. Right, right, right. Or maybe, you know, for it's usually women. the other way around. Yeah, right, like right. usually. And I think like Jolene Brighton does a really great job of hammering this home. But it's like, you know, women will go get their hormones testing and they they spend, you know, three or four hundred dollars and, you know, they try to do the thing. And they pull their hormones on a Tuesday at 3 p.m. And it's like, well, what day in your cycle were you? And they're like, I have no idea. And you're like, that matters. Cool. Well, mm. there's three days you typically test. It's day like, you know, 19 to 21 of your cycle, so that you can capture a read on your progesterone levels. Um, there's also some testing you can do depending on what you have going on. It might be day three of your cycle. But then we get back to two bigger issues: is that a) people don't even know what day of their cycle they're on; people don't know if they ovulate, you know, so there's an issue. But again, you know, it's like the doctor is willing to pull the lab work, but they don't have better instructions on mm-hmm. how to do it. So it's just again, like all of this is like, how do you help people go out there? And if you're like, it's cool to step up to the plate and do testing, but let's make sure you're also testing mm-hmm. the right things. Excellent. So moving forward, what's in the future for you? Ooh, so one of them I can't talk about because I've never seen somebody do this in the space. Well, that's um, not fun. I know. <laughs> Maybe we'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll start with the other things, super, and then if I leak great. it. Um, yeah. So basically, at, once I get back, um, we're going to be launching my own podcast. So, been doing um, tons of getting on other people's mics, and it's finally time. I'm in a position to scale, so we will be starting my own podcast um the next thing we're going to be doing is I haven't seen many people in this space promoting women to eat more food and so personally right now um I've had stem cell injections and both of my shoulders happened about two weeks ago and so uh basically my doctor orders are like hey you can do lower body because you just need to let your shoulders you know heal no upper body um so currently I'm eating a caloric surplus and so I kind of put out some feelers and I was like man, it would be really cool to start some sort of support group and put out education for women on just like, hey. out of bulk. Yeah, like, (laughs) and and I think what I'm struggling with is like all of the words, whether it's like bulking, massing, (laughs) lean bulking, lean mass, you know, it's like all of those words don't sound super great. Um, So I'd like to find some way. But just getting women to open the door, I think that, the nutrition industry, like, at least we're getting away from people just living in a deficit and, like, cutting their whole life. Like, now women are starting to understand, okay, there's this maintenance thing. Like, I need to bounce back and forth between, like, I'm either at maintenance or, you know, I'm cutting. Um, but getting people to recognize that third part of the transaction, which would be, you know, eating at a surplus, intentionally gaining muscle. Because, um, A, like, I'm sick of women being like, hey, man, like, I, I just, uh, I can't get bigger legs. Or, you know, I want a juicier booty. Like, how do I do it? it's like well you can't grow a muscle by fucking yeah, eating 800 like <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, probably the most common
1: thing I used to get as a trainer is like wanting to build your butt on like 800 calories. I'm, like,
3: <laughs> I'm eating 1200 mm-hmm, calories. Yeah. I'm doing hip thrusts. And I don't understand why nothing's happening. Yeah. Fucking eat food. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. But I like yeah. that
2: juicier booty. <laughs> <Yeah>. Juicier <laughs> yeah. booty.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's but yeah, you know, it's like, I would like to, um, you know, at this point, it's like I've written several very comprehensive eBooks um, that are very helpful. But it's like, I would like to kind of create a support group for people where it's like, hey, you know, it's it's scary to be like, hey, I have abs, and you know, for the next three months, I'm gonna let go of them a little. Or, um, it's just scary, you know, when your clothes stop fitting as well or stuff like that. So, I think creating some sort of support group and kind of safe space to just um, help women work through that and really support each other would be really cool. So, it's something I've got on my radar. Um, and I uh, fuck it, we'll, we'll talk about it. But, um, the next thing I want to do is I really love getting out in front of people. I really love talking. I love connecting. Um. You know, face to face with people, and social media is so great. I think that you know, podcasts and just you know, YouTube, whatever it is, all those are so great. But there's just something to be said for really connecting with people one on one. And so, I wanted to get back, um, kind of like I used to do, where I traveled and just helped you know, teach nutrition certifications but I've already done that. And that didn't really sound like, you know, scary or like, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit bigger beyond that. And so I had this idea where it was like, fuck, man, what if we started doing weekend retreats? And so we get together, you know, they would have to be a little bit smaller groups, we'll say like 12 to 15 people. But it's like, you know, maybe in the morning from eight to 12, you know, we talk nutrition, we talk, Birth control, um, thyroid stuff, exercise stuff. You know how to help people maximize. You know whatever they're doing in the gym, or just you know simply asking, like, "Hey, you showed up to be here, like selfishly. What about nutrition, or exercise, or mindset, or whatever? You, know, what do you want to take away from this weekend?" Um, so having you know a short nutrition and some sort of you know lecture um, each of the days of the retreat. But then working out together, you know, it's like, again, we, we have this giant gym program um, full of hundreds of people, you know, let's, let's give them a taste of what we do. Let's give them a taste of you don't have to kill yourself in the gym, to look good and feel good. Um, but then let's go fucking send it. Like, I, you know, I live in one of the greatest places on planet Earth. Like, Austin, Texas has so much to offer in terms of you could rent a boat on Lake Travis. You could, you know, go to the Greenbelt and go hiking and swimming. Um, we could go sunset stand-up paddleboarding and watch the bats. And so I want to just kind of help people to connect because... I think it's so hard to find people that are on your same level and in the same headspace. And so um, getting people to just walk away from the weekend, really building connections with people, you know, making friends and stuff like that. And so the third thing we're gonna start basically doing is kind of this retreat idea where we not only give you education and you know, just really help give you the tools to move the needle forward wherever you're trying to go but also have the freaking time of your life while also walking away with friends and so um, kind of those are the big three but definitely super excited about the next couple yeah, they you know, this sound, they next sound six great right
2: on. yeah they sound really great well thanks for coming on the show yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot me. of fun and yeah, yeah. we appreciate your support you, you you share our stories and stuff sometimes yeah, so it's, we really appreciate it we think you're doing the right the right things it's good to to meet people doing the right things yeah, in yeah. the industry. So, thanks for coming on. Awesome, up. thanks. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com.